Hey everybody, let's start as always by asking you to head over to the iTunes store, do the iTunes review, whether you do it on your phone, on your iPhone, or on your computer through iTunes. If you could go to the podcast app or go to the iTunes store and rate the podcast, that's always awesome. And then uh, follow me on social media, and you can get me at Instagram, Average Joe's uh, Beer Podcast. And everywhere else, Facebook, you can just search Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast on Facebook and like the page. And then at uh at JoeBob41, J-O-E-B-O-B-4-1 on Untapped and Twitter. Um, that's about it for social media. we got some uh, beer fests coming up. you got to check out the, the Bolingbrook uh, Brew Fest coming up in October. I think just in about a week here, you're going to see the one down in Morris at the Grundy County Fairgrounds. That's uh, Illinois Beer Festival. It's competition and fest. And then you get uh, August 25th at 350. You could see uh, Less Than Jake and the Descendants and a bunch of awesome punk bands. You can go out there and get yourself some Coco Beware, maybe some barrel aged stuff. Uh, it's going to be an awesome event. And then they have like their uh, brewer roulette where the, they pair up two random breweries to make a specific style. So check that out. It's going to be awesome. And this episode, guys, is a, is a awesome, is an awesome episode, especially if you're a home brewer or even if you just are curious about how beer is made. This was a just a badass uh, educational piece. Um, it's it's. Uh, Lance over at Omega Yeast Labs. If you don't know, they're Chicago-based yeast lab. They were started here, and they have grown exponentially over the you know the last six years or whatever they've been open. What a great, what a great knowledgeable person, um, Trevor uh, Trevor Rose Hamlin, a, a friend of mine in in this world uh, from Old Irving Brewing. He sat in for me on this one as well. So it's uh, Trevor and I, and then and then Lance from from Omega, and just just a wealth of knowledge. Just a great world, blew my mind. So interested in these Nordic strands he talks about, but uh, you'll hear all that. So just embrace all the goodness that is education of yeast. So without further ado, here's Omega Yeast Labs. All right, now we're actually rolling. Well, we're sitting in, in the beer hall of Old Irving Brewing uh, on Montrose, right? You guys are on Montrose. On Montrose, yeah. yep. Joined by, you know, one of my favorite people, uh, Trevor Rose Hamlin. Oh, stop. Hi, Trevor. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Uh, this uh, Trevor's already had his, uh, his uh, shining moment on the podcast. Today, we're here to talk to our new friend, Lance, here from Omega Yeast. I've just talked to way too many brewers and beer people in, in the last year now hey. that, that talk about Omega Yeast, and I had to have somebody on from it, so... Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you. Some people want to go deep on yeast. I mean, why not? Why not? It's a, uh, it's one of the four biggest ingredients in beer, right? <laughs> Can't yeah, make man. Beer without it. Yeah, well, that's damn right. Well, because without it, you're making sugar water, right? That's all. That's all that is. Yeah. Brewers make the wort, yeast makes the beer. Yeah. That's the saying. That's what I keep hearing, man. I say, <laughs> I don't make beer. I don't make beer. I make wort. So, tell me a little bit about uh, what what your day to day is like with with Omega. Uh, <clears throat> these days, I mean, it, it's changed over the years. So we, um, started five years ago now. Um, these days I'm, a essentially a customer service rep. Um, just, you know, answer the phone, do a lot of technical, uh, you know, answer technical questions on the phone, answer emails, do a lot of the scheduling, uh, for our production cycles. Um, so yeah, that kind of, and, and traveling more and doing a lot more, uh, you know, I just went to the to Duluth, Minnesota, to talk to the Minnesota Brewers Guild there. I just give a short uh, technical talk. Um, travel to cities to talk to homebrew clubs. Just did that in Indianapolis, and I always make those trips to see customers while I'm in the same city. 
Uh, so doing a lot more of that, a lot more travel, which, uh, so as I, I mean, when I started, it was like, I was doing all of the production literally for like a year until we made our first hire. Um, but that has, you know, filled those roles over the years to where I don't do any of that now. Um, and just do, yeah, like I said, like customer service type stuff for the most part. I have so many questions from just what you've just said. Just yeah. So, so <laughs> you're talking about traveling, you're hitting these cities. Like you said, you talked to some of the homebrew clubs and that, but like, what does that itinerary look for? Like when you hit the wheel, the wheels down on the runway, you're, you got like an itinerary set. You're going to go talk to this homebrew club. Like, what are you talking to them about? Like, uh, like new product type stuff or are you like going yeah. over technical stuff um both uh, so a lot of what i'm uh i'm spreading the word on these norwegian yeast that trevor's actually used some of so too. hot right now norwegian yeah yeast. That's yeah funny. no funny i mean, should say that that's so yeah, that is a funny use uh, i'm not sure how <laughs> apt you realize that was uh but yeah no these it's uh there were these yeasts were brought to the attention of the brewing world a couple of years ago from this Norwegian guy uh Lars Marius Garshall who has a great blog called his Lars name blog. would be it would be Lars yes yeah. uh, um and he uh kind of traveled the countryside in Norway and just examined the uh the farmhouse brewing culture in Norway um which you know like I said was really kind of unknown to the world but they've been using these same yeast passed on from generation to generation for you know hundreds of years um, and they have a lot of special features to them. Um, so they ferment extremely hot. I mean, whereas a, a brewer, they're mostly dealing with ales when they're fermenting in the you know, 68 Fahrenheit range. They're fermenting their lagers in the 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit range uh, and mostly stick in that range. You know, somewhere from 50 to 70. You can take Saison's hot, hotter than that. But uh, these drains, they are literally pitching at like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. What? Yeah. Why? I mean, that's just, uh, I, you know, I don't know how it got to this point, but that's what they've, that's what they all do. It's adapting. What yeah. So there's yeast to have adapted to those situations. And they, because if you were, I mean, they were, you could pitch an English ale yeast at that temperature. It'll grow, it'll make beer, but it'll produce huge amounts of fusel alcohols, which, you know, make the beer taste hot and uh, give you instant headaches. But these are clean as can be at those temperatures. Uh, they just don't make these nasty off flavors like other ale yeast do at those temperatures and a consequence of those hot temperatures is they ferment ridiculously fast yeah so the uh, uh the beer that eat. you have right to your right there actually was made with uh that was the white stout uh no the, no, the uh the rosé yeah the montrose actually um was brewed with their Voskvik. uh we turned off the jackets on that one and just let it ferment as so high as it wanted gets to go turned off is that what you that's exactly it yeah that's so, so any any kind of device used for keeping our temperature and range for ale yeast we just turned it right off and let it go and then we added like a, a bunch of distillers enzyme to it to drive it down so it's completely dry what's distillers enzyme sorry you want to take that over <laughs> sure um so distillers uh, sometimes uh, so a brewer is going to use malt and malt has uh, been is a you know grain that's been treated such that it activates the enzymes uh inside the grain and those enzymes then will chop up the dextrins uh, into fermentable sugars by yeast. But a brewer doesn't have to use, or sorry, a distiller does not have to use malt. They can just use whole grain. They'll crack that open. It has no enzymes. So if they just soak that in hot water, nothing's happening. It's all starchy, dextrin-y mess. So they'll use uh, essentially like fungal-produced enzymes. You can just buy this like dry enzyme or liquefied enzyme. And you're just adding the enzymes that were in otherwise in malt, and they just break down the starches and the dextrins into ferment fermentable sugars for the yeast. So, damn it! Brewers these days are using spin. them to um, 
dry the beer out completely. Basically chop every last dextrin or starch down into a fermentable sugar. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas a beer in a, a, br- a barley malt leaves some dextrins behind. That's what gives you body in beer a lot of times. But you could dry that out completely by you know, breaking every last dextrin down into a fermentable sugar. And that's exactly. what some of these so, do. Yeah, so the, the, the kind of like brute IPA thing that's happening right now, that's, exactly that's how they're I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, uh, they use the glucoamylase um, to basically break down those enzymes and make it completely dry. So, But I was thinking kind of about brute styles, and I wanted, anytime I'm about to do something really crazy, I pretty much call Lance. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, I need Lance, help. I'm, Lance, I want to do this thing, uh, but I don't know how. Uh, so he helped me out a little bit. And... This one was, uh, you know, it was like, I felt like all the brewed IPAs were like missing a little bit of that acidity that you get from okay. champagne. And I also wanted to make it like rosé because Montrose. I mean, we we're more fitting the beer to the name <laughs> than vice versa. And uh, it worked out pretty nice. We backed it up with a bunch of strawberry and I really liked the way it turned out. Like he said, that yeast ferments like super duper clean. Um, they're, they're fun. So and I mean, if you're, if you're a home brewer and you don't have, you know, you can't keep your fermentation in line and you're not sure where it's going. Man, these these yeasts are great. So we'll use it on our pilot kit all the time for all of our yeah. uh, pale ales and stuff. Is it almost like a cheat? Like, um, yeah. is it almost like a hack? Kind of, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, does it time, change the flavoring immensely? Like uh, uh, the beer, like you're gonna perceive different flavors uh, because of the yeast, or I mean, they have some kind of unique flavors. It's some fruity esters they kick out, but they're mm-hmm. not that foreign to like an English ale strain. Yeah, you know, that's and that's kind of how I tell people to use them. Use them like you'd use an English ale strain, but without regard to temperature okay um so yeah no i think they'd uh, that's uh they'd be great in every homebrewer beginner kit because that's one variable they don't have to worry about and but do um, they do hazies bro (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the the, some of them actually do seem you know to kick uh, not all yeast strains you know kick this haze um and at least the the hornendal of them does so i yeah i mean I've, i've heard of people using them for hazies and 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 again their fruitiness kind of works right into that i like how fast and deep we got in like seven minutes of talking so let's let's <laughs> see let's i'm going to challenge the two of you together to to do do your best to give like a give them both base version of why the hell do we use yeast in beer to make beer like just for you know maybe the non-home brewer that's listening or somebody might just be you know not know the process Sure. Uh, so the brewer's job is to create yeast food, essentially. So uh, I was kind of getting into the, you know, the malting process before that malt uh, kind of primes the grain to be able to convert its starches into sugars. So the brewer's job is to coax those sugars out of the malt. And you can, you know, mix and match malts to get different flavor profiles. Steeping like a tea bag almost. Yeah. Like. But ultimately, you want a this sugary, nutritious, nutritious solution for yeast to eat. I mean... Wort is essentially yeast food, mm-hmm. um, and the beer we drink is yeast waste. I mean, put disgustingly, I guess <laughs> I can give so you a, a really simple explanation. So brewers are good, and they make yeast, or they make barley soup. Uh-huh. Barley, barley soup, soup makes sugar. Sugar gets eaten by yeast. Yeast farts out heat, alcohol, and CO2. Man, that's the, that's the simple. That's <laughs> like the most simple. simple <laughs> so part. now everybody knows that they can do everything that you do. So Easy. you're pretty much you just got to make some barley soup. Trevor, you're useless. You would make barley soup reference. You're the food guy. Like yeah. You're my food guy. <laughs> as much as you brew, I feel like food might be your first love. I don't know. It's some something in there. So with the these uh, these strains of yeast, I mean, everything. everybody uses different ones uh, as far as I can tell. You know, is there like... You guys make these custom ones, or is it 
Man, how do you, how do you get all these? Because you talked about going to the countryside. I'm thinking when you were talking about going to the Nor the Norwegian ones. I'm picturing all this like spontaneous, you know, type stuff. Uh, no, it's even. I mean, it, what the Norwegians do, are doing is even wackier. So they have these things. I forget, Kvike stalker or something. It's a uh, uh, this like wooden ring that they use, and they dip it down into the wort, the fermenting wort, uh, and pull it up, and the yeast dries onto this ring. And so then the next time they brew, they dip that ring back into the, the wort, and that's what inoculates the next one. So this is how they've been doing it for a long time. I was going to say, this is uh, very reminiscent of kind of like the, the magical paddle, right, yeah. in, the, in the home of brewers, you know. Um, yeah. That, I thought that like when you took this magical paddle and you stirred this wort with it, that it made, you know, that the gods made you alcohol yeah, and made and this funny feeling liquid. Unbeknownst <laughs> to them, they were, that's, they were repitching yeast. Exactly. <laughs> Repitching yeast. Yeah, you always hear, like, I remember when I, before I knew anything about brewing or home brewing it at all, I remember hearing people say, like, the pitch at the pitch and pit, and you're like, what What are you talking about? Like, it's pretty simple, though. I mean, it's literally, you're just, that's when you're adding the yeast. Yeah, the pitch. Another word for adding yeast mm -hmm. or inoculating yeah. it with yeast. There was another name for that stick, by the way. It's more modern. Uh, Mr. 50 Cent came up with it. It's called the magic the stick. The magic stick. That's yeah. true. It'll yeah. show you magic. Um, and then repitching, if you hit once, you can hit twice. Yeah. That's the whole repitching <laughs> part of the game. Uh, you know, that, you a lot know, of people don't know 50 Cent is an avid home brewer. You just don't know. that levity, right? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, so with the with the yeast, I mean, you know, okay, so let's start, say your base guy, like, oh, it's the first time you're home brewing, you went and got a kit with some extract and stuff, and you've got this little bag of, what is it, like USO5, is that what they, is that what they call it? And yeah. it's like a little packet, and you, dry you, you pitch yeah. that, and then you got all the way up to, you know, you get these, uh, I see the, the starter kits, where it's like a, kind of a, I don't know what you call it, almost looks like a little scale that you stick the beaker on, and Oh yeah, yeah, the flask. Okay. Yep. So I mean, uh, what's how does one go from all the way down there to the powder to USO five to now? How deep do you go in yeast? Um, one step at a time, and <laughs> and obsession. You know, I mean, that's it is the natural progression of the home brewer. I think you know to start with an extra. I mean, it's how I started, um, just with extract kits. So it's very simple, and then you step up to extracts mixed with steeping grains to get flavors. And then you are like, yeah, I, I want to create a recipe from scratch. So you get, you know, all grain and you're playing with your base malts and, um, and then you're, you know, growing yeast at home with uh, liquid yeast gives you way more variety as far as yeast strains are concerned. So you start experimenting with that. And, um, they said it's just one step at a time and getting obsessed with, you know, breaking it apart and figuring out what all the parts do and putting it together just like you like it. Is it true? You can like almost like harvest a yeast strain that you, you know, I don't know, you can kind of, you were talking about repitching and stuff. Like, what what is that you can do? You can, like, save some and kind of grow it off to the side for, like, your next brew. Like, oh, this one worked really well. I can... Yeah. Like, uh, from a homebrewer's perspective, they would, uh, you know, after you rack your beer out of the fermentation vessel, you, you know, take, like, a sanitized ball jar or something and scoop up some yeast, and then you just keep it cold, keep it in your fridge till you want to use it again, and it'll... You know, de depending on how long you're storing, I mean, yeast will die off over time. But if you build up a new starter, like you know, pitch what you saved into a flask to kind of revive it and grow it back up, you can just keep doing this forever. You know, if you're good about your sanitation. Here's a dumb thing: is it is it literally grow physically too? Like oh, yeah. while it's in there, uh, so it will it will add. You know, okay. Yeah, 
So they're they're called budding yeast. So they they look like little globes, and they just bud off a, a tiny version of themselves, and then that tiny version grows up and buds off other ones. So they'll you know they'll grow exponentially like that. The the one becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight, becomes sixteen. So like, on so and, forth. and will they, will they change like their their build or their what you know their effectiveness or anything yeah. while they're in that state I and mean, while they're building out? Uh, yeah, I mean, they could, they're like any organism, they can mutate. I mean, they can accumulate genetic changes over time. Um, some deleterious, some silent, some, it just depends. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'll, I don't know what the rate is, just a, an average, you know, mutation rate, like one in a million bases or something gets changed, but most of those don't result in any sort of, uh, you know, observable difference. But mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely, as they grow, they mutate just like, ourselves that's how cancer comes about and not to get dour oh, <laughs> he just took it right down <laughs> let's get some beers huh? so so trevor now as a brewer how are you you know how are you shopping for yeast like what's sparking yeah. like a change like i know some people say like oh yeah we have our house yeast you know yeah and i mean that's really responsible in a great way to kind of like save money um in house i'm i'm kind of working on getting more of a house yeast um I've kind of like all my crayons, so I like to I like to you know use all the, all, all the all the crayons in the in the box <laughs> as it were. So uh, Lance kind of knows I'm always experimenting with new stuff, and you know I'm, I'm not a I'm not a do the same thing twice kind of guy, uh, which is why you know we were talking about Andreas earlier, which is why I have him around the German who can always do things again and again the same exact way for maybe our more basic styles. But um, you know for me I I think uh, <clears throat> yeah I like to use a lot of different things, and uh, I do I am working on kind of using maybe just one yeast for all my pale ales and just kind of limiting myself there so I can maybe re- have a better chance to repitch. But with all the hazies and stuff, it, it does become a little bit more complicated um, to harvest that yeast when you're uh, pitching, when you're, you know, dry hopping within a crazy amount of hops and like day two of fermentation, you know, okay. without dragging some of those hops along with it. So there's different methods that you have to kind of go through. So our house pale ale, for example, right now, I'm trying to get all of my hazies on that same uh, pale ale yeast so that that way um, my house pale I can I have a better chance of like harvesting off of that so I'll save money here is that there. Sentinel is that that's Sentinel that's yeah Sentinel. that's our house IPA delicious mm-hmm. IPA thanks and we've definitely seen uh, I mean a, a production brewery typically limits its yeast choices I mean they'll have you know if they're brewing lagers ales and Belgians they'll have you know like three ale strains that they keep going and they can really stretch them out a long ways that way we definitely see with brew pubs that uh, they're more experimental. We'll try a lot of different strains. And I think that has a lot to do with, I think, margins. I mean, totally. um, you guys, you know, you're selling directly. You've got a little bit more margin to play with. gives you a little more options, whereas the production breweries maybe on a tighter margin. And so they've got to kind of, you know, stretch out their yeast to the point where yeast is essentially not a cost. I mean, if, if you take your yeast out 10, 10 generations, when you're talking a per beer base, it's, it's almost nothing. It's minuscule. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, mm. and then some. You know, at the end of the day, people like Trevor are just nuts, right? I mean, <laughs> they just want to train, change things, and do. Well, it's fun. Stuff. I mean, that, that's <laughs> I, that's I like going to brew pubs because you can always try something new. I mean, I think it's fun for the consumer and the brewer, you know, to 
try all these new things for I mean, production brewery. They're ma- making the same beers essentially yeah. all the time. I mean, it's fun to play around and try different things. And, and for and for people who don't know, I mean, I guess they, we haven't really talked about the distance between the two spaces. Yeah. I mean, Lance has worked literally out so like well. three <laughs> blocks down the road. So it's like I saw if, him walking here, and I was <laughs> yeah. carrying my equipment. I'm like, I don't know if that's him or not. I don't know. But, you know, he stopped. He's on his phone, and then I see. I'm like, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy that was outside. Well, it's nice that they're three blocks down the road. But even if they weren't, like the customer service is always so good. Like you know, if when I call, he picks up. Like or when you text your order, or when I text <laughs> my order, which you should be yeah. emailing it to yeah, him, exactly. or using going through the proper channels. You got it. Yeah. They're, no, they're, this is what awesome. I'm saying. I'm Trevor a, the wild card. I'm a customer <laughs> service guy yeah. these days. I know that's that's got to be weird. It's it's like a lot, some of the brewers that I talk to. You know, these people that had founded these places, and then as they grow, the brewer is not really the brewer anymore. The owner, the founder, he, now he's like, I I need brewers under me so they I can figure out all the other shit that's going yep. on. You know? I'm yep. back to having a desk job. <sighs> You're a desk jockey now, huh? Mm-hmm. So how'd you how'd you get started in yeast? I mean, like what like what the hell? Uh, were you there like when Omega became Omega? I mean, yeah. where you were you were. Uh, Ground zero for yeah, that? Yeah, one of the co-founders. Okay. Um, uh, I could step back, I guess, even before that. So in yeah, college, <laughs> uh, and I went to the University of Illinois, um, and they had actually a university-sanctioned homebrew club. It's called Buzz down there. Um, so I was, <laughs> yeah, Buzz. Boneyard Union Zymerological Zealots, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, Smart people made that one. Yes. Um so it was a, I mean, like I said, an actual university club. Like when you go on quad day, they've got a booth out there, you know? So they, uh, and they'd have monthly meetings, I think. And I joined that when I was 20 because I mean, as a home brewery, you can buy everything you need to homebrew uh, without being 21. You're not buying alcohol. So it was just a kind of, a, maybe just a way to be able to get beer without having to go out and buy it. Circumventing. Uh, yeah. Um, so that kind of got me hooked. Uh, started brewing a lot in the apartment with one of my roommates. Um, and then uh, I was a microbiology major in undergrad, so I got to, you know, learn about yeast and how they worked and all that. And stuck with microbiology, went to graduate school in uh, Texas then, at University of uh, Texas in Houston, and joined a lab that was studying yeast, uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, ale yeast, um, and ended up getting a PhD there. Um, Studying the stress response, just the way they handle high heat and uh, and other stresses, how the the cell you know responds to that to survive it, and uh, uh, did that for five years. Then went and took a detour, went to law school. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who needs uh, that PhD when you can? So I'm be a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like totally unrelated, but it actually is related. So I I was I went with a purpose, and that was to get into patent law. Um, and so to do, you know, practice in front of the patent office, you have to have a technical degree, um, because essentially you are a bridge between an inventor and the patent office. So you have to know the science, um, behind the invention and be able to convert that into legalese and, uh, into a legal document that's submitted to the patent office and then, you know, argue back and forth with the patent office on the, you know, the legal aspects. And so you have to have this, you know, training in both sides uh in fact like the patent office has a list of uh you know degrees that are acceptable to be able to practice in front of the patent office oh wow like if you have an english degree and don't have any science background at all you can't they won't they won't this isn't for you (laughs) yeah um so that so it was related um and i was just kind of getting tired of doing the the research game at that point so so i went that route um and then so i got a job at a patent firm 
downtown here um, and did that for four years. And it was, it, so I was kind of getting tired of that at some point. It was nice. I love the people I work with. It was just um, not hugely exciting to be an attorney. Um, so you, you finished and everything. You went to school, got you passed your bar, did yeah. the patent thing. And yeah. then and it did it for four years. Um, and it was just starting to get, you know, just, like I said, like bored. And then um, I was kind of actively looking for a change, like maybe to go in-house at some, you know, pharma company and be in-house counsel because it's kind of a different way of life there. You're not billing by the hour all the time. I just wanted some sort of change. And it was at this time we had a... Uh, an annual associates Christmas lunch that the firm paid for. Uh, and I was talking to one of my colleagues who was actually in the process of founding 1090 brewing in Glenview. Um, and, you know, we were just chatting. He was talking about where he's going to be getting his yeast and, you know, saying it was, you know, from the West coast, it's expensive to ship it overnight. And it was just, that sparked it like that. Really? Yes, that was it. So that's all it took. That's yeah. all it took. I mean, it was, I told people I was in the right place at the right time in the right frame of mind. Yep. I mean, I just, it, a lot of things had to come together yeah. for that, your yeah. brain to flick like that. Yeah. And it just, you know, I just instantly had this thought. I'm like, this could be something that, you know, the br- industry's big enough that this could survive in Chicago. There's nobody else doing it in Chicago. Like this could be a thing. What year was this? Uh, you think 2012 was when that conversation took place. Um, December 2012. There was like four breweries in Chicago. <laughs> there was, uh, you know, there's more than that, but yeah, not I'm certainly I'm not as many as there are now. Um, so I, I literally went home to my wife that night, and I'm like, I'm going to start a yeast lab. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the reactions from wives that are, I'm going to start a brewery, yeah. would be priceless. No. Yep. I'm going to start and a yeast lab. Yeah, I think there was some skepticism um, to start, but, you know, we kept talking through it and I talked to uh, one of my colleagues at the firm who started we were summer associates at the same time which are so when you're in law school you do these kind of internships at the firm uh, for you know like 12 weeks and uh, he was uh, an intern the same time I was so we kind of got to know each other then and he started at the firm a year later the year after me because he was a year behind in law school Um, and we talked enough and I knew he kind of had an entrepreneurial bent to him so I just kind of started talking numbers with him you know thinking i think this could work do you see any holes in this and all that stuff and uh and then a couple days later he came to my office and he's like do you want a business partner I said, uh, yeah <laughs> so uh and that that's our the co-founder mark shorts who actually lives in st louis now Hi, mark um bring back some narrow gauge when you come back no. <laughs> yes they, yeah that's using our used to by the oh, way yeah um, jeff's doing some good things yep. over there um so yeah so we just started talking about it and um we kind of putting together you know like a not a <laughs> ridiculous thing is we never even put together a formal business like a plan business. like normal people <laughs> do um just you know could just figure it out with your phd and your uh, law degree i mean you know ultimately it's just business like model these numbers look reasonable and and to me it was always about if if we can execute and produce good quality, it's going to work, you know, maybe that's naive in in hindsight, but that's kind of what our thinking was, I think. Um, So we just, yeah, kind of started figuring out how we were going to do it and started looking for a space. We got a space around May of 2013. Very basic. It's actually very close to here too. That's over at the the costume shop. Got like an 1100 square foot uh, chunk of the costume shop and kind of outfitted it with some basics and, 
that's where we operated until January of this year. Um, ridiculously, we kind of <laughs> we we took over a little more space there uh, to the point where we had I think three thousand square feet. But oh, wow. we squeezed a lot out of a small space just because we had to. I mean, we kept growing and. Um, having a really hard time finding a new space and we were close a few times where we were like about to sign and they're like oh we're worried about what this burner you guys are using like oh my god we had already gone through all this negotiation and then and uh, just like as an insurance risk type yeah uh, i mean that one this one looks like it'll burn the whole neighborhood down and that one was ludicrous because they were a in this building they had a uh, um what do they call them this uh catering company so that had like kitchen cooking type stuff i'm like we're not doing anything any really it's ultimately sternos lit everywhere yeah. right <laughs> so yeah that that scuttled that whole thing and we were back to the drawing board and, uh, but ultimately everything worked out well the the building right next to ours went on sale around the time all this was happening and wow we just uh we snatched it up and built it out and moved in in january um but yeah, so we started in 2013 and hired our first employee. And uh, we were essentially like uh, moonlighting f- until August or September that first year. We'd you know I'd come in in the morning, um, do some things, and then get on the train, go downtown, and be a lawyer for eight hours, and <laughs> get back on the train, come back to the lab, and oh work there till literally like one or two in the morning. Go home do it all over again the next day until i mean i was gonna i was just it was torture eventually and we got you know we're getting adding customers here and there and it just got to be where that was unsustainable and had to take the dive and just it was i mean it was a huge risk uh, being a, a lawyer is a good steady you know yeah I've paycheck. Heard that's a, it's a decent job yeah <laughs> i mean so it's you know and maybe foolish to leave it but you know i wasn't happy and this seemed like it could be a, a workable thing and i uh, just you know, it was, seemed like it was heading in the direction where it was going to be sustainable and just took the plunge. And my business partner actually stayed and continued to be a lawyer for another uh, maybe a year and a half after that before he quit. He sounds lazy. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, in retrospect, it's one of those things. It, w- it worked out well because, I, I mean, I was the yeast, the production guy. He's more of the business guy. Um, Does he have a science background as well? He's an electrical engineer. Okay. Those guys are smart, too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the weird thing is, like, you're not the first lawyer or first doctor on the show. (laughs) First (laughs) PhD uh, on the show. There are a lot of former lawyers, former scientists. But you're the first slashy that I've had. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Um, So, you know, it was actually good that he stayed a lawyer because there were, you know, times where it was kind of lean. And, you know, it was... Lean. Yeah. And so he had, you know, it was good that he had... uh, kind of extra income to you know supplement here and there to kind of keep the wheels on the tracks to you know, <laughs> get through those times and eventually it sustained all of us to where we could all be full-time put all of our efforts into growing and making quality yeast i i would say so so the my first question to, to that whole story is like how the hell did you start it and then figure out how to get people to say yeah i'll use your yeast is it easy because you're like Dude, I'm right here versus you going all the way to California or wherever. I don't know. Where's like Y Labs at or all the other yeast production? Yeah, no. Uh, you know, California, Oregon, Colorado is basically where the three big suppliers were. Um, yeah, it wasn't that easy, I'd say. I mean, uh, the way it's kind of always worked is we had people that were nice enough and maybe crazy enough to give us a shot. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you came along Trevor when laughs. we, you know, when. 
I, you know, we were pretty established. You were already swinging. Yeah, there. yeah. So yeah. I, so I'd say there's much less risk now. Obviously, well, I was, We've been I was doing this, doing this stuff at, at, for homebrews and things like yeah. that anyway. And I had actually trialed a bunch of my beers with his product, so yeah. I knew it worked well. So yeah, I mean, uh, it was, having 1090 starting up in Glenview is hugely important. I mean, we I knew them personally. You know, I worked with them for a while, and they were uh, nice enough and crazy enough to you know give us a shot and. Um, and then, a, you know, a few other people and then, uh, and then we, our product got better and better, I think, as we kind of figured things out and, uh, you know, again, maybe I naively thought I could, uh, figure this stuff out myself. It's not like it ever grown yeast on an industrial scale before I tried this. So, you know, there was a lot of kind of figuring things out. Um, and, uh, and then it was just word of mouth, basically. I mean, like brewers talk to each other. Yes, we do. I they mean, do a lot. And they're, you know, the Illinois Craft Gossips. Brewers Guild. Yeah. I mean, the collaborations, all this stuff, right? And then the um, Illinois Craft Brewers Guild, you know, we joined that and it was a way for us to kind of introduce ourselves to everybody. And But mostly word of mouth. I mean, if, if our stuff was shit, they'd tell each other that too. And we'd have no business. But um, so, it, I mean, once we, I think, kind of established some good quality, it kind of just grew by word of mouth. Um uh, and but it, you know there's I think uh, there's some uphill battles with some folks they're just used to using the older school folks that have been at it a long time mm-hmm. uh, you know had their favorites and weren't necessarily willing to switch but the the funny thing is is even over time we've gotten business from those folks I won't name any names there but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean literally you know we've had people say you know I, we have a good relationship we're not gonna use you guys and then eventually they use this uh, well we'll take a little bit yes <laughs> we'll and try a little bit you know we, we we do try to innovate i mean we've got strains that other people don't have and we we kind of keep our you know uh, eyes and ears out there for looking for new things that we can introduce to brewers i mean trial ourselves and then introduce to brewers when we're confident so we try to have a lot of unique products in addition to having the strains they're used to working with um so they can get kind of best of both worlds some innovation and in what they're comfortable with I'm almost scared to ask this question right now because I feel like I'm not going to phrase it the right way <laughs> to get what I want. Oh, because that sounds like a fun question. No, because I, I feel like I'm not. It's it, I'm just not smart enough to, to grasp what, what I'm asking. Like, okay, you talked about uh, starting out and, and getting better and improving. It's it's hard for me to not have to not, having no background in how yeast is made. You know, it's a living thing basically. Like, how do you improve that? I guess. Like, what what is the practice that goes into this? Is this a bunch of trial and error? I mean, how do you know what quality is? Yeah, I mean, we're brewers too, so you know, it's a matter of putting something through the process and then brewing with it ourselves and seeing how it performs. And you know, try a couple of different conditions in your propagation and and put those side by side and see if one does better than the other. It's like the scientific method. I mean, exactly. You know, okay. do well-controlled experiments and see what happens. And, um, Did I come down and I drink their scientific method? With yeah, them? I had it's it really down cool. last week. Yeah, good try science. this. Do you want to try this? <laughs> this is pretty good. This is not as good science, but this one, very good science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you talked about improvement. I'm like thinking, how do, the, how do you grow it better? I mean, what are the factors, you know, when you get really far into it? I, can you explain it without with you know is it hard to explain when you're in other than going like deep into met, you know scientific terms um no i'd say i mean what the brewer is ultimately going to be looking for is something that ferments out in a predictable time frame 
that it uh, flocculates, which is the process of kind of like sticking to each other and dropping out of the beer so that the beer can kind of clarify on its own. So there are certain parameters that the brewer is going to be looking for. Um, so, you know, our goal is to give them predictability. You know, I mean, some strains aren't flocculent, some are, but you want to know in advance what the strain is going to do, how it's going to form, how yeah. fast is, what kind of flavors it's going to make. Yeah, predictability um, and consistency are huge. So like if he gives me a 15 barrel pitch of a certain kind of yeast, knowing that, you know, he's got a certain billion uh, amount of yeast cells, you know, that are ready to go and I get consistent fermentation out of it and it finishes out in a consistent time, which they always do uh, for the stuff that we keep around then. Yeah, well, he's sitting right here. I'm yeah. Like, well, <laughs> no, I mean, you know. and if it didn't, you know, I just walk down there, yeah. slap me, have, have a chat. text him, yeah. text, text, text him. <laughs> uh, so, can you run through, uh, Trevor, on your ha- your half? Can you yeah. run through like a couple of styles and like what what you're looking for out of your yeast in that for that particular style of beer? Sure. I mean, is that yeah. is it yeah, different wildly? Wild yeah, I'll, I'll show I'll share some stuff with you guys. No problem. Yeah, uh, so right yeah. now, um, we're using uh, a product from them called the Dipper, the Double IPA yeast strain. We've used it actually since opening for the Sentinel. Um, I've tried kind of changing up the yeast strain. To, what we were using for our Beezer, we use his uh, his English ale yeast strain. Um, Any reasoning behind why why the English ale strain? Uh, for he's the got Beezer. a couple of yeast strains that are um, that throw kind of like the nice fruity ale characteristics that also don't like flock like crazy um that kind of hold things in suspension a little bit better uh for the hazies so um his british ale 5 works great for that um so we use that for our beezer which is our kind of uh, our standard uh double dry hop ipa here and then um i kind of switched the sentinel around to try and use that and i didn't like it as much so okay. now i'm actually trying the reverse which is getting everything on the double ipa strain that one throws like a ton of like mango and jackfruit and kind of tropical characteristics and i would say for myself for my pale ales and the way i do them i really like to embrace kind of the tropical citrus kind of driven ipas that's and just we thank what you i for like that yeah as a consumer yeah i just i like it you know like when i reach for a cocktail or anything yeah. like that i'm usually kind of a tropical cocktail drinker so that's kind of the way it goes on that one um he also has a product called kolsch 2 that i use uh for our kolsch it ferments a little bit higher than your standard uh kolsch ale yeast strain um which means it actually can go a little bit faster it's uh, it's nice to lager it still it's nice to give it some downtime and let all those flavors kind of meld and let the yeast clean up a little bit but um i've had great consistency out of that um it does drop pretty nice and clear uh, even though we do push it a little bit with our biofine and then obviously like i said before i use a lot of the crazier yeast strains um um, you know, the, the Vosk we've messed around with uh, the Hothead E strain before as well. And then uh, we're actually secretly working on some okay. proprietary E strains yeah. um, that we're, we're not going to talk about. So right that's like now, in conjunction, like you guys work together and you're looking for like a profile you want to hit. So well, it's more, this one was actually uh, him kind of coming to me and being like, hey, you know, you want to make a pale ale with this E strain? And then he said, the uh, really, like one of the sexiest things he could say to me ever, which is, I'm like it's bated breath. free. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay, whoa. well, yes. Then. In exchange for data. So <laughs> it's in exchange not totally for that, some data. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's not free. It's more of a trade. <laughs> yeah, but, that is yeah. the nerdiest thing ever. Like, I give you some <laughs> yeast for some data. How about that? Yeah. And, like, you probably feel like you're winning, Lance. You're probably like, I'm actually winning this one. I get I data. Don't, I don't have a 15-barrel scale data. that I can, you know, I wanted some real-world um, examples of what this thing does. And, you know, those things play a role. I mean, we can do all the five-gallon patches in the world, but that doesn't tell us exactly how it's going to behave in a more industrial setting. Yep. Um, oh, and so Andres gets his hands on it. That's, that's when you really know what's up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. 
The Andre effect. The Andre. That's right. You should make the beer called the Andre, <laughs> the Andre effect, effect. By the way, we'll have to rename one of our it beers. Have that to he be makes, a German so. beer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about like stouts? Like you know, I've heard people. I, I don't know why I said stouts, and then went back to IPAs. But, uh, but but I've heard a lot of people say you know people. We've talked we talked in the past about people not uh, wanting to get on board with like the hazy beers and stuff, but I've heard people that were on the negative side of that say like, "Oh, it's just you know you're just pitching shitty yeast, basically." Like you're oh, pitching those people are big probably a little ignorant about I, how I, it works. I think, you know, <laughs> I'm not of the mind to say one or the other because I don't know. But sure. but to me, you know, it seems like a cop out almost. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean it's not like you're adding flour to make it hazy, but no. you know, they say like, "Oh, you just all you're doing is pitching a shitty yeast that doesn't eat enough." So and then you get all that shit that you talked about hanging in suspension longer, you know? Yeah, I think there are a good number of misconceptions out there about what hazy beers are. and what. Well, I mean, some of them very well maybe, you know, stop too early where there's lots of yeast in suspension, but those aren't the good ones. <laughs> um, so uh, there are certain strains that, and, I, and I, I still don't think it's even fully understood as far as why they do it, but uh, there seems to be something about dry hopping during active fermentation in conjunction with high uh, protein malts, you know, like oats, um, uh, you know, flaked barley, things like that, that uh, create some sort of stable, like colloidal, you know, like milk is a, colo- a colloidal suspension. Like there's solids that doesn't matter how long they sit there, they remain, you know, that looks like a confluent solution. And that's what the, the good hazies are. You can let them sit for two months and they're still hazy. They like don't that just is, drop out. Yeah, that is not, that's, that's not yeast that's giving it that haziness. It's not a rushed beer. Like that, that haze is stable. Um, so it's, it, yeah. I, I mean, I think the more people are aware of these things these days. I think, you know, we're getting a little past, I think, the uh, maybe old school brewers you know, poo-pooing this whole thing because they think it's rushed. And it, it's not at all. I mean... You can. I've had some that taste yeasty. If they're tasting yeasty, it was rushed. You should not taste yeastiness. What does yeasty taste like? Um, for those who may not have the Cicerone palate. Sure. It's uh, to me, it's like a, a bitter bite to it, almost like a, a harshness that kind of maybe is on the your the roof of your mouth. Yeah. Um, whereas when you get a you know a, a good hazy any IPA, they're uh, pillow soft. You know, the soft mouth feel. You don't get that harsh bite to it like that double dry hop space boots we drank that day super good um so the, the the other misconceptions i think too about uh, sometimes you see people when they open up a can or a bottle or something of a beer like that and then you have that protein at the bottom of oh, the, the yeast that's not yeast is it or is it like part to do with the yeast or uh, i'm sure that's a mix of yeah. yeast and uh-huh. and protein and there's also, I mean, like if you're double dry hopping with the, you know, it's it, hot, there, hot matter, hot, basically. hot matter as right. well that could yeah. be held up. I mean, a lot of people are kind of messing around with the powders and things like that too. Yeah, that, the you know, type they stuff, also stay yeah. in suspension very nicely um, when you double dry hop with it. And yeah, the the whole idea of the bio transformation is almost like a myth, right? Like, it's like not really that backed by science, but when he talks about it, it does actually sound like it's science. <laughs> well, I mean, that, the haze aspect of it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know that the bio transformation stuff is. Yeah, fully established. But I mean, I think there is some sort of biological totally. activity going on because, like, the strain that lots of people use, this British Five, is actually quite flocculent strain. If you're making a ESB with it, it's going to be a crystal clear ESB. Yeah. 
but when you you know when you're dry hopping while it's still fermenting and all that stuff you end up with this like stable haze beer so there's it's doing something to what did you call it british fi- five yeah is i mean that, I, is that like a omega yeast yeah that's just uh, our brand name almost yeah like what's that versus like london three you know i mean it, that it's, it's the same strain, strain. strain. Okay. yeah genetically it's the same strain okay. it's our name for it okay I'm just, you know, in case one brewer sure. like, hey, maybe mm-hmm. I want to go get some of that. Like, what do I get? And you had a question about stouts. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that Well, that was kind of the same question I had about yeah. the IPAs. Like, what do you go, like, focus on a different type of strain for stout? Like, because you want, we talked a little bit yeah. before we started uh, rolling about residual sugars and yeah. how you, you know, like, what does that play into a stout well, or like a big Russian imperial? Sure. I mean, I've used, I've used his, um, the double IPA actually for some stouts, especially ones that you're trying to go higher grab on because it's kind of like a yeast that just eats and eats and eats and you'll get what you're looking for plus it'll produce kind of like some fruitiness that i think you know when you're thinking about stouts you're thinking about chocolate and coffee and you're kind of thinking about some of these maybe darker fruits or or like that fruity characteristic that can kind of add to the full chocolate and coffee experience um that yeast definitely does that uh i've been i've kind of switched i've been using a lot of the irish ale yeast strain lately for my stouts actually the sweet stout you had earlier the uh the cinnamon prost crunch was used with the uh, irish ale yeast strain and yeah we mashed high on it and it didn't attenuate down too far and then we added lactose sugar (laughs) to it so it it definitely did what i wanted it to do maybe a little bit more than i wanted it to do it but yeah the uh the irish ale i use for a lot of my stouts and i would suggest that one it's it's great for stouts See, as the basic person from the outside looking in, I would I would look at those you call it the Irish yeast, the di- the Dippa yeast, you mm-hmm. know all that kind of stuff. I'd be looking at it from a perspective of like, okay, I'm going to use this for a double IPA. I'm going to use this for an Irish stout. You know, oh, not you know, is there a Russian imperial yeast too that that's got a, a like a name tagged on it as well? Um, no, we don't have one specifically for that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of brewers, especially starting out, will get maybe pigeonholed by the names. Yeah. Um, and that's something that would happen to me a hundred percent. And that's something I definitely try to convey to people is to look past that. It says it right Um, on the label. Yeah. I wouldn't use anything else. (laughs) And it's, you know, that's mostly a nod at origin, not necessarily that that's your only choice for those sorts of things. Yeah. But and that's why you, you need people like Trevor who don't give a fuck and those play, <laughs> play around. Like, uh, hey, I'll throw the IPA yeast give, in there. It's cool. I, I give a fuck, but I also, it's also when you when you hear, yeah, some fucks I give. Uh, but he, like, you know, the double IPA yeast strain, like hearing double IPA, you, you think first about alcohol, right? Like you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be a big IPA. So think about a Russian more imperial beans. style. You're kind of thinking about more the double IPA More vein. percents, more better. More percents, more gooder. Yeah, <laughs> more gooder. Yeah, that's, a, you know, it's just I'm trying to have... A good view on on the differences of it, but I think yeah, I think the the basic mind just goes for like, oh, I'll keep it in the box that it's supposed to be. Like if you go through like a Chicago Brew Works, you know, in Plainfield, and go buy some, you know, buy your uh, extracts or whatever it is. It's like they, they here's light gold. Here's like uh, you know, your they have an IPA uh, extract and and they have a, a Belgian extract and all that stuff. So I just wonder, like, it's okay to play around, right? Maybe. Oh yeah. yeah. And that, that's the progression of homebrewing. I think, you know, when you start, you, you stick to recipes. If the recipe calls for X yeast, you use X yeast. Um, but as you kind of understand what the ingredients are doing and want to play with those ingredients in different contexts, then you just do it. I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to make a, a bad beer, you know, of use, um, I mean, really, if you used a Belgian yeast to try to make a, you know, an American IPA, that's not going to go well. You're going to get phenolics in there you don't want. So, but, you know, as far as that, you can use any neutral 
non-phenolic ale yeast to make a, an IPA, and they're going to have different ester characters, different, you know, attenuate to different degrees, and mm. it's perfectly valid to play with any of those non-phenolic strains to make your American-style yeah. IPA. And you never know, man. Like, m- mess around, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you know, you, we've seen Belgian IPAs over the years and things like that for a reason. And, you know, you get something that has those phenolics like he's talking about, and you double dry hop it with some, like, very, very tropical... You know, uh, style hops. You know, you throw some El Dorado, some Otueka. Mm-hmm. You know, some something that you double, you double dry hop. But now you got like banana and mango and all this other stuff going yeah. on with it. So you might create something completely different. And so especially if you look at like, sorry, no. if you look at like all the different styles of beer and like what the the difference really is between them, it's really pretty. Min- it's a it's a minutia. It's a very very small amount. So I, I always try to encourage people, like, think about what you love about, like, this yeast strain or this hop, and then let everything fall behind it. Try, try not to stick to a style necessarily, but be like, I want a beer that's, like, this much alcohol, and I want it to taste like this, and then manipulate your ingredients to achieve that. We just did basically, like, a, a Belgian uh, triple, you know, uh, but we didn't use a, a Belgian yeast that would have been used for triples we used uh, their Saisenstein's monster uh which can ferment super high another great yeast by the way for home brewers where you know the the higher that yeast goes the cooler it kind of becomes it throws more and more tropical characteristics and it's clean 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 super nice yeast uh but we use that and we really like kind of the the flavor profile that we're getting out of it to make like this whole beer inspired by a Hemingway daiquiri it, oh, it right. does not I had that when I was it, here. The yeah, other day. it, it doesn't awesome. really make a lot yeah. of a lot of sense uh, from a stylistic standpoint, but it, it achieved what we wanted it to achieve in that recipe. So. Super cool beer, man. Just not a normal beer that you no. can get. <laughs> you know? Definitely not. Speaks to what we talked about earlier about the brew pubs and the you know right. the yep. ability to kind of go outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna recall on on two two previous episodes of the show. Um, episode 17, I believe, was, was I did Corridor with uh, Roger, and then uh, also St. Arant was part of that episode. So Brent and Ryan joined the podcast, too. And I remember, distinctly remember Ryan telling a story about the excitement of he was helping you guys out or something at Omega one day, and he <laughs> took home like a Conan yeast or something. And he's just talking yeah. about having the little glass vial and getting it home and being so excited to use this. And yeah, you know. no, I, yeah, I remember that when we, when we first, I mean, we started out really just commercial brewery supply and, uh, we wanted to get into homebrew and this was when I was essentially working by myself and we wanted to go through our first, you know, packaging run. So we just kind of did a Facebook, Hey, anybody want to help us out packaging first run of homebrew and ended up getting three volunteers um, uh, people that were not in the brewing industry, you know, yet at that time, Roger, who's yeah now at uh, Maplewood and Adam Smith, who's now at, uh, Maplewood, Maplewood as well. And, uh, and Adi Hastings who works at Omega now. Uh, so yeah, I, we, we hired Adi about, um, a week after that packaging session. Um, cause that's around the time where I just, I just couldn't do it myself anymore. Um, and that was the one and only time we've ever used volunteers. It's not something I'm that comfortable with for multitude of reasons. I mean, I want to pay people for their work. Right. Um, and I think you get better, you know, performance when you're paying people for their work. Uh, you can trust them, you know, a little more maybe. Oh, um, hot butcher about me on that canning line, baby. Yeah. I was working for nothing. <laughs> I was having a good time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pack decks. <laughs> and oh man, I love people like you. It's the best. <laughs> so much fun. Eight hours, eight hours standing there. Oh, boom, 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 boom. 
It's great. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, didn't well, mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. And uh, so we didn't, you know, that was the one and only time we did that. But it ended up being kind of a neat thing because those guys, I, I don't think any of them knew each other until that day. And now they've done several several collaborations, you know, with the, the breweries they've been at. So we've had, you know, Omega Corridor, Maplewood mm-hmm. collaborations, um, all stemming from that chance meeting with the three of them helping me on. I think well, Ryan Jacobs from St. Arant said he was part of that at some point, too, uh, over at Omega. But well, now they've become one. Roger well, moved over to crazy, Maplewood, right? Yeah. I can't That's wait. Awesome. i got I to get out there and redo another episode with them. I just the love three that, of like, them. a bunch of my favorite people are just in one mm-hmm. building now. That makes yeah. things a little easier. Three <laughs> dudes that will make you laugh with, you know, your balls oh, will yeah. fall off. You laugh so hard with those three guys. Yeah, awesome. uh, yeah. The social media posts are ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. So it's amazing. <laughs> the the one Roger eye, laser, the laser eyes. eyes. <laughs> so good. Uh, it's so good. I can't wait. People are going to go nuts when, when they when it's like it's Roger's version of Juice Pants. You yeah. know, like when Roger gets his Lines claws in the there. Door. Not that it's not already great, but, right. you know. Well, I mean, that was his big thing. Corridor is like, Corridor is great, and he made it amazing, but it's like there's so little space to deal with. I mean, and people want OG squeeze it like they want, you know, their crack cocaine, so... If he can make that on a bigger scale, that'll be fun for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then the other, I was, I said I wanted to recall on a couple episodes. That was just a, a nice, you know, one of the Omega mentions, you know, of many of them that have been on this podcast. With the, I had a, a story that I was told that always, I always enjoyed uh, recalling was with Mike Palin up, up at uh, microphone. I don't know that they use any of your guys' stuff, but it was mm-hmm. a story I'd like to retell for you. And then you guys maybe together can explain to me. Uh, maybe go a little deeper on it. So Mike told the story about how he made his first batches of, of Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit, right? So their coffee, maple, you know, uh, big big gun uh, Imperial Stout. So he told the story about the first couple of batches, how, you know, he, he brewed the beer and then added the maple, you know, the maple and coffee. And and he said, you know, they'd ferment it. Well, he wasn't thinking about maple b- maple syrup being sugar, and it just everything fermented out, you know. So he said then the second time he brewed, he's like, well, I'll just add double what I added the last time. Oh, Same geez. thing. Yeah. You know, and then eventually he got he got smarter and said, oh, yeah, maybe I should dose the maple syrup on the back end or whatever, you know, wherever in the process, you know, would be the best way to do it. So then explain that to people about fermentable, non-fermentable sugars, things like that. I mean. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeast has the genetics to only to ferment certain sugars. So there, I mean, there, there's a world full of different sugars out there and, um, like there's lactose in milk, right? Lactose cannot be fermented by normal yeast. They'll just see it and they won't do anything with it. Uh, there are some yeasts, some non Saccharomyces yeast that can ferment that, uh, but yeast won't. So that's becomes a tool then for the brewer. Um, if they want some residual sweetness, you can add lactose without fear of the yeast, um, consuming it. Um, whereas something like maple syrup, um, you know, like fruit, most fruit purees are composed of like glucose and sucrose, which brewers yeast love. They're going to, they're going to see it. They're going to ferment it. Uh, and they're easily fermentable, uh, from that. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of what's meant by fermentable and unfermentable and unfermentable sugar will not be touched by the yeast and will then give that beer, um, sweetness or body, um, a fermentable yeast gets converted into carbon dioxide and alcohol. 
Um, and Roger, er, Roger, I was thinking about Roger right now. Uh, Trevor, you were talking about before we started when we talked about this uh, cinnamon toast crunch type, the cinnamon prost. Yeah, I don't uh, want to yes. get sued. Yet. Yeah, I don't get, well, I won't get sued, <laughs> I promise. Um, but and I think you mentioned something about that, right? You, the, the, the way you approach the sugar to give it the sweetness and it was something yeah. that's not going to get eaten. Exactly, yeah, that lactose sugar, you know, the only thing you have to fear there are the vegans. But other than that, yeah, uh, yeah it does, it does give the residual sugar. It does give a little bit of a creaminess as well. Yeah. That coupled with the oats and that one also gives it kind of the texture I wanted. And, you know, you do have your long and short sugar strains. Um, the yeast is going to want to eat kind of like the, the simpler sugars first. So you have to understand if you're going to use something like maple syrup or corn sugar or, you know, fructose or anything like that, that they're going to they're gonna want to eat that like almost right away. Now, some brewers, uh, I learned kind of a method from uh, some of my friends uh, at other breweries where you can add like simple sugars toward the end of the fermentation process. And it almost adds like this like bone dry kind of uh, little almost like champagne-like flavor to it and it also stresses the yeast out so the yeast will depending on the strain will throw kind of like more of its kind of fruity characteristics like at the end of fermentation um and it's something that i've heard that people do to kind of coax out some of those some of those flavors so i did that with the uh, the montrose as well okay so yeah but yeah you got to be careful a lot of people will even prime like they'll prime their bottles with maple syrup but maple uh, in general unless you're not fermenting it out is a really hard flavor to get mike is uh, kind of a ninja he with really how he gets so much maple flavor but you know we've we've achieved maple flavor with the uh, candy cap mushrooms before which organically have the maple syrup flavor um and not too much of the earthy characteristic of the mushroom but also i've heard people using fenugreek um for the insane person mm-hmm. i have mm-hmm. i have thought about using fenugreek uh, what is fenugreek? It's it's a it's sorry. A, um, that's actually a really good question. It's just an herb. Yeah, I think it's like a pod. It's a seed of of uh, uh, um, like a larger plant, um, but it does throw like maple syrup flavor. So eventually, I want to do a maple syrup beer, but use maple syrup, fenugreek, and candy cap mushrooms to just see how how do how do you incorporate like. the candy cap mushroom? Like what is well, what we did when I think we, of candy cap mushroom, I'm thinking of a mushroom, right? Yeah, now. we like gave a it a we gave it a yeah. It's it's a mushroom. Okay. Um, it's it's weird though. Like uh, upon harvest, you have to dry them out like within okay. three hours of harvest, or else you lose any of that flavor, and weird. the flavor doesn't really come out until it's dried which is also more bizarre and so this i get it all from roderick marcus over at rare tea cellar he's kind of my uh you brought him up yeah he's he's, uh yeah he's kind of a madman um but he was one getting you that cacao or something like that single origin something Uh that you had those good ass cocoa nibs yeah no he's awesome uh he's he's kind of my peddler of everything super expensive that makes our accountant probably shouldn't be talking about your peddler of shrooms (laughs) probably (laughs) probably not uh, that's a different guy (laughs) uh no but uh yeah that's I don't remember what we were talking about. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Must be all the shrooms you're doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Love uh, it. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, I guess, people, if you wanted to go to an extreme, the other way you could, you know, get like a maple flavor from legit maple would be to kill the yeast, you know, add, and add the maple. Because um, if you kill all of your yeast, they will not consume it. How would um, you kill your yeast? Yeah. How do you pasteurize? I mean, would oh. be the most uh, effective way. But that's but like, is that for somebody on a bigger scale? Like, can you pasteurize right here in your facility? Uh, uh, I mean. No. You could get like a tank type thing where you you know dip cans and kill the yeast and so I mean that's I mean, again uh, it's technically a little more difficult but that is another there are you know some breweries that um, pasteurize and back sweeten so that's another you could add um, sucrose to get your sweetness if you kill your yeast you can add whatever you want and yeah, as long as there's yeah. no microbial load there they'll be stable or you could just be like a lot of brewers and just say keep it cold. 
and Ooh, please do not fresh. let that warm up. <laughs> yeah, keep it cold. And, and roll the fresh. can when you get yeah, home. Roll, roll that can. can. Roll that can. Okay. Drink it now. That's <laughs> Drink the, it right the, now. The next big brewery is going to be the one that can figure out how to make a New, New England hold up past like a month and a half. <laughs> make it really get, hold up. Ours actually holds up pretty good. The yeah. Beezer doesn't it doesn't fall. I mean, I like, it'll fall. I drink yours too fast. I don't get a chance to let them. <laughs> I don't uh, get to I play science that. with yeah, them. But the, I think if you do it right, you know, and, and, and make sure you're not like doing anything crazy with it. Um, it can it can have some uh, stability. I've heard of other brewers like sending their kegs out upside down, so people have to flip them if anything falls. Really? Out. Yeah, I've That's heard weird. of some crazy stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. I, I when I left here that day a couple weeks ago, when we had lunch. I was, yeah. I brought home that growler of your uh, the strawberry one you did. Oh god. Yeah. Well, that's the same one. The Montrose. As you can see, it fell out. So when he was talking about rushing beers, this is it. That's, that's that it. beer. That's the same beer. No way. When he's talking about rushing beers, I put that beer on. And I was like, I guess it's just going to be hazy. And it was actually what? you. Were, you drank a bunch of yeast that day. I apologize. It was. <laughs> it was pretty good. I don't know. Whatever. It was tasty. My no, wife drank. Sure. My wife and her friend drank that whole thing that night. They were probably very ounces. farty. They, they were, were probably. Could have been. Lots of vitamins. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's right, good yeah. for you. Yeah. It's good uh, for the Well, uh, that's gut the thing biome. is I double dry hopped it, so I thought it was just hazy. And then, you know, it did have like a little bit of a yeast flavor, but it wasn't too crazy. And then like I literally the next day it fell out. I was going to say it tastes like it. Brilliantly clear. As you can see, it's like you know almost ruby. But that's the thing about using these new yeast strains is that that, that Voskvik, like it didn't fall out right away. But when it did, it fell out completely. Tastes so. super good though. Certainly. Thanks. Yeah. Really tasty. Much cleaner now. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was all excited about it. I'm like, man, it's like a fruited, you know. Yeah. You just thought you used a shit ton of strawberry. Now in that there, it's clear, so. it's terrible. Right. Yeah. Now what, yeah. Now what, what did you do wrong now to make it so, make it look like a freaking diamond? It's beautiful. It really is. Like that Ugh. color is outstanding. Looks better that's than a, strawberry. That's a drain. Crush. That's a drain like, pour. It's too clear. Yeah. 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 Right. Hey, let's you know what people are getting better. People they are, are. There's more education out there. Man. Yeah, people are. People. I mean, are our last our last batch of Beezer wasn't like the haziest of haze. You know, well, it's we, not we like sat there and drank. Yeah. We drank that that more one right next yeah. to yours, and you look, you looked at it like, aw. <laughs> there's my, so much hazier. Mine doesn't look like that. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's it's just it's hazier than other times. Like I did, I I figured out some things with just like. Uh, almost introducing some raucousness to when I dry hop um, with CO2 in the tank. Just like that louder helps. music. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. At it. Put a little more doom metal while you're doing it. Oh All right, yeah. dig it. Doom metal's a little chill, man. You got to go a little bit. That's true. Yeah. You got to get a little yeah. more hype. Also, for at Sound Growler, actually, now they <laughs> went to their festival the other day. Oh, how was Caught it? Caught a little doom metal. I love Arturo. I just, yeah. I, yeah, they're just good people over looks there. Like it looks like a fun time. I had some cave dope, some barrel aged cave dope that was quite delicious. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, I'm distracting us again. Okay. So you guys both have mentioned multiple times now the uh, some of the fruitiness that can come out. So like that was another question for me as a dummy. It's like, uh, does yeast bring flavor? I mean, is there you're, you're pulling some flavor off the yeast? So describe like what that is. I mean, is that perceivable by like anyone, or is that perceivable by like only your better palates can be like, oh, this flavor is coming more from the yeast or going to depend on the ingredients and the yeast and what you're going for i mean there are um some strains that a brewer might use whose sole purpose is to stay out of the way they don't produce much in the way of uh fruity esters or any flavors to speak of i mean like the the famous chico strain used by a lot of people which goes by many names uso5 and so on and so forth uh the the primary point of using that strain is that it does not produce much in the way of flavor um, and lets the malt and the hops out of the way. Yeah, okay. just lets the malt and the hops do their thing. Um, but there are a lot of English ale strains that produce a lot of esters, a lot of fruit um, s- aromas and flavors. 
And uh, those can be, you know, you can do that if you want that to kind of complement maybe the fruity hops you're using or, or even, you know, an, an, an ESB that's uh, any fruitiness one might be perceiving in uh, ESB fermented with an English ale yeast is the hops. Or I mean, the, sorry, the yeast. And the hops would be more of like the, you know, earthy herbal type in that scenario. It just depends on, you know, what you're going for, which strain you choose. But And then lager yeast, again, you basically want them to stay out of the way they're crisp clean maybe a hint of sulfur um that's how a lot of times you know you're getting a lagers you get that just hint of sulfur um but in a good way but so it depends on what you're going for which which you choose so in the early days of the omega yeast labs when you're working kind of by yourself on, on the yeast part we talked a little bit about like you know getting people on board and the word of mouth stuff so what was like the the, the upfront sales pitch i mean what, what was your starting point did you go all right i'm gonna look up from the brewers guild or something every brewery in this area send an email out like are you going on foot door to door like hey you know we're starting up this yeast company How'd you like to get your yeast from us? Like, Man, it's, what was the courting process like? Yeah, it's hard to even remember. Um, <laughs> Six years ago, man. That's yeah, a while, that's a while back. It was. Um, I, I mean, I think it really started. I think with with 1090 being and you know knowing those guys, um, and the then guinea pigs or something like they like uh, here, uh, you know, to some degree. They, they I gave suppose. you a shot, and yeah. then they told a couple of people. And they yeah, told and then people. and Lake Effect is in our building, Lake Effect Brewing, and just by sheer you know being next door to each other. They used us in some things and got comfortable with us and talked to people. And uh, it was, you know, and I did go to the guild meetings uh, starting out and just kind of introducing myself and this is what we're doing. And it was by far word of mouth is what did it. I mean, just um, which I think goes a lot further than me trying to sell myself. You know, um, if, if there are other brewers that have used us and trust us they'll take that other brewer's word more than they'll take mine. So that, that was critical is getting just a critical mass of people using us that then had good experiences and talked to other people. That's how we shop for everything, by the way. Like that's just how, bar- how do that's you how brewers that's do. How I mean, we're, we're so many of these episodes of oh the yeah. podcast. I mean, I'm 50 some odd episodes in in eight months. It's like, we're shopping canning I, lines, dude. And like, you think like we're talking to the, the manufacturer. Right. I mean, yeah. like we do, we you get the initial quote and stuff. And, uh, oh yeah. But like, now when I do Wild Goose, you know, I'm talking to Garrett from Pipeworks. Yeah. How do you like it? I'm talking to Joe who runs a canning line. How's it been? How's their customer service? Things mm-hmm. like that. And if we, if someone doesn't minute, bro? like you. What's your cans per second? Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask someone who hates one of their products in the brewery. They tell every single person, man, woman, child, anybody will hear about how much they hate it because we have to use it every single day. You know, I've heard a, that about yeah. like everything from boots to, you know, like everything. You know, like who you, oh, I like these boots that they're wearing at this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what I'm going to get, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, well, and you'll even see that on the, the guild. You know, the, the guild has the email list. Yep. And somebody's like, hey, I'm, you know, I need to get a, a glycol loop installed. Who, who have you used? Who do you like? Oh, yeah. And people kick out a bunch of recommendations. It's yeah, another exactly. awesome thing about and this I'll, industry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had I've had guys like that have, you know, and I'm not, obviously, I don't want to ever call it any names, but I've had, like, some people that have done, like, bad work in the past. And, like, it's amazing how fast it goes right to the core. It's like all these guys who do, the, do this work, maybe they work on a boiler or they do something like that. And, like, yeah. one of us just goes, all right, I'm not using this guy anymore. And then you hear, like, five other guys, like, oh, no, yeah, don't, don't use him. Use this guy. And then all of a sudden that guy, like, oh, like I'll guarantee you 100% of <laughs> that group yep. is like, like using a different guy for their boiler. You know, you never Man, know. That guy's coming on Thursday at my place. Nope, <laughs> right? Cancel that shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. great. So 
mega so yeast. A, mega yeast didn't have to experience that. Seems like they they flew like wildfire through this uh, through this uh, arena. You know, not to say there are probably people out there that. I mean, I we we have customers because people haven't had good experience with other yeast labs, and mm-hmm. right. I'm sure somewhere along the way somebody's had uh, not you know great. Ex- that's that's how people try other things, and yeah. I'm sure we haven't made everybody 100 percent happy. But we're I mean, one of the things I. Um, implore to all of our employees is to never assume the way we do things is the best way to do it and we're always you know experimenting with little tweaks and things to make things better i mean to this day i was talking to our plant manager about making a tweak on how we're going to do homebrew and you know it's just there's always ways to improve things I'm never going to assume we're the best uh, man uh, likewise i love that i love that attitude how can you make things better every single day? We're nailing day? it, Something guys. Let's just keep recreating yeah. this day over and over and <laughs> over again. Well, I just, uh, it just it just really speaks to like kind of like my philosophy on what we do here. You know, it's like even with our base styles and stuff, we still make little tiny tweaks. Like, don't ever assume that the way that we're doing things is the best way. Like, if there's a way to get, you know, in a brewery, you oh, you're always learning new things. So I love to hear that, especially on his side. Well, I mean, for both of you guys and your businesses, it's not only that, but you're also looking at the fact that this industry itself keeps changing over and over and the consumer taste keeps changing over and over and the mm-hmm. you know a few years back it might have been okay to open a production only brewery and now it's like you don't have a tap room like you're it feels like it's really hard to survive i mean oh yeah so you're dealing with that constant change and also you know like you said you're trying to change yourself all the time as well and not just keep doing the same thing yeah i mean brewers want i, mean, I guess one of the ways we like as brewers want new tools to be able to stand out from the you know the crowd i mean there are tons of breweries and so how are how are you going to stand out so we want to bring i mean like these norwegian yeasts you know you can do ridiculously high gravity beers without much trouble because of the way they tolerate alcohol and grow fast and all that stuff and that's that's a useful tool tool to a brewer so we're trying to find these things and bring them to them and help them stand out from their peers. And <laughs> yeah, there's actually kind of a story about that. So yeah, the I'm, uh, in. I'm in for stories. Yeah, so I the, like uh, we there's an Oak Park Microbrew Review every single year, and they do this. It's a big one. A lot of people tend to like that one, right? An amazing, yeah. amazing thing. If uh, you know, you should definitely go and check it out. Yeah, um, it's a good one, um, and it's huge. And they are the part of that. What they do there is a single hop challenge where Pete Crowley from Haymarket uh, puts together a beer recipe. And they use a single hop. Uh, this year, it's single hop, single malt, so it's two row. And then it's uh, Amarillo, and I think he came up with like three pounds of hops per barrel. And it's amazing just how much variation you can get at a competition like this. Like, we're all brewing a very similar beer, obviously. But obviously, the one differentiator here is yeast. So uh, last year, I went with uh, a pretty crazy yeast. And, and, a pr- and last year, we got to choose our hops. So I just like tropical, like went cra- tropical crazy. And I used their uh, tropical yeast strain. It was blended with their double IPA strain, a blend that they do for me here and there. And then I hit it with uh, Motueka, just a ton of it. And Was it uh, a single hop? Straight uh, Motueka? Or no, did, I think okay, it, no, so no, did, this was did. a, I'm sorry, I, I, I misspoke. It was Vic, Vic Secret, uh, which is uh, very similar to Galaxy. And I used the uh, Vic Secret on it. It was amazing. It was like very, very tropical, fruit-driven. And we ended up winning the competition. I, and I do think it is, um, it had everything to do with that yeast strain. Like, that yeast strain just pulled the beer together so nicely. Mm-hmm. It did stand out on its own. And so being able to understand those properties of yeast is, well, is pretty cool. No, the, I think the I think we were talking about this the other day. Oh, I yeah, think right. this yeah. this particular batch 
you know, he'd wanted a 15 barrel of, I think, Dippa, the, the one that yep. you normally use. Yep. And for some reason, I just had like a brain fart when I was entering it in the production schedule and entered like a three barrel pitch and he never orders three barrel pitches. No. So I don't know where that even came from. <laughs> But uh, so then I bring it message <laughs> issue. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I bring it over here. Direct. He's like, what's this? Like, this is the pitch you ordered. And he's like, well, it's supposed to be a 15 barrel. I'm like, hmm, I think we have this other strain that we could blend that's it. And exactly we've done happened, and this. Yep. This would be a good blend together. So, you know, and that's what we had on hand. Like we don't oh, nice. we, we do custom propping. So we don't generally have a lot of yeast just on hand. Right, that we right. can have it. But we had that. I'm like, I think this literally will be a good, it's not just like giving you the only shit I've got right. stuffed in my cooler. Like this will be good together. And then that ended up happening. And yeah, so it's one of those happy. Yeah, that I've, I've reused that blend like four yeah, or five then, different oh, times. His, yeah, head, and so his head just grew exponentially. <laughs> like, ah, I kind of, kind of a big deal. <laughs> that special tropical uh, blend. And that, well, yeah. and the funny thing is that is, I think, a uh, I mean, that has been a blend other people have kind of arrived at independently, too. And it's one that gets kind of ordered fairly frequently yeah, by nice. people, too. They just, those strains complement each other. Don't tell anybody. People will be ordering all the time now. The millions <laughs> that listen to my show listen to this. <laughs> this is going to be flooded with requests. Uh, so how about some of the, uh, like, can you name, like, 10 of the ten of the breweries that, that, that use you guys now? I mean, like, who, who are some of the, uh, and how far out do you go? I mean, Oh, we ship all over the all country. All over the country, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, ten, huh? <laughs> who are some... You don't have to do ten exactly, but who are some of the notable ones other than Old Irving? Yeah, I mean, we work uh, on occasion. We've worked with um, even like Cigar City in Florida. Wow. We, work with, we work a lot with Toppling Goliath um, uh, Platform in Cleveland, um, Weldworks in Colorado, you said um, narrow gauge on St. Narrow Louis gauge, too. Yeah. Almost everybody in St. Louis. Yeah, um, so second shift. Perennial. Side project. Yeah, um, yeah Perennial is a, a neat connection. I kind of got invited along when uh, Phil did his, um, you know, they were doing this uh, uh, alumni series of beers at Goose Island where they invited, you know, people oh, who nice. used to brew huh. there. And um, Phil got uh, invited back to brew. And uh, Mike Siegel just, let me kind of tag along like i mean it was really it was phil's thing but he kind of let you know me come along so i got a, a whole day to chat with phil and and then he started ordering and now they're you know great customer all again this is you know that the word of mouth thing and just kind yeah. of being in the right place right time industry sort of in general i mean it's just a cool yeah. thing yeah um yeah i mean burnt city was another one of our uh, ogs <laughs> um, you know, the, these early adopters, people who just aren't afraid to try things. And at the time, you know, they were pubs. So, uh, again, one of these, you know, places where they maybe have a little more leeway to experiment with things and got on early with them. And Ben's a good dude and still work with them to this day. I'm, uh, I'm bowling there this evening nice. for industry bowling night. Yeah. Industry bowling night. Oh, so we're that's a good time. Yeah, Monday. we're in that too. We're terrible from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we beat you, so you have to be pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> My team's not great either. We have a good time, and we look good doing it. I don't you know get, oh, no, you guys, like, they have, like, really nice shirts and yeah. everything. Like, they look Solid. really put together, yeah. Got the nice short sleeve button-up, kind of like what you're yeah, wearing yeah, almost. But totally. With, like, a big collar, a big, big white huge collar. Huge-ass yeah. one. Yeah. That's awesome. Where do you even go to order those? 
I don't. Do you have to I, type in like big collared bowling shirt? Like, bowling shirts. Right. I mean, I've, yeah, and then got them printed I locally. Like, I feel like Andre so it would look natural in one of those. I he actually like does. Yeah. yeah. He's he got, also uh, he also looks great in. Uh, he was a lot of uh, kind of like the Hawaiian shirts. Like he's got a he's got yeah. a collection. I was For his, his birthday was recently slingshot bathing suit. But yeah. okay, no, that's fine. his birthday was recently. Got him a little Hawaiian shirt, some some tiny new, new bib stuff. for the brew house, and a whole bunch of German beers. You know. God damn. Jarhundert beer? You I ever heard that no, stuff? I've oh man, you gotta have anything. an Einger Jarhundert beer. Okay. Check that out. Like dude. what like what am I gonna get it's off a of lager. that? Kind of yeast they use in that bad A lager yeast. <laughs> nice, nice lagering yeast. Oh man, it's good shit. Did they yeah. source that from Omega Yeast Lab in Chicago? No. Bring that over it's to probably Germany. somewhere in Germany, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure. They grew that somewhere. Somewhere in Germany. Uh yeah, it's just, I'm just curious, you know, like who who's coming in. Uh, some other like little little thing I want to talk about because I think you guys kind of touched on it, you know, just by as a byproduct of the conversation we've had so far. But um, do you guys play around with like, uh, you know, like if you go into a brewery and they give you sometimes they'll have like anything from food pairings uh, to their with their beer, you know. Uh, do you guys ever play with like uh, on your guys' labels or something where you get, when you sell to a brewer where you say something like, "Oh, this is really good for." You know, using it with El Dorado hops, or like, do you, do you ever point stuff out like that, or is it just kind of like you guys will play with it and figure it out? Um, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we certainly experiment with them. Uh, I mean, like one of the first things we did with one of these Norwegian strains was to try it with a a beer that had like just Centennial and Chinook and Cascade. I mean, things that are easily obtainable C's and like cheap. This. And 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 it gave a result. That, I mean, the the fruitiness that you got from the yeast kind of made it taste like we say it made it taste more expensive um, <laughs> like you had you know some other tropical new wave hops in it um, so we do experiment with that and if we find good results I mean I think you can read that in that description of that strain where you know we uh, the way we used it I totally remember having that beer, it. by the way. I remember when you guys did it side by side. Yeah. You, didn't you do one with like a regular ale yeast strain? Yeah. And then you did the exact same beer, but with two different yeast strains. And he's totally right. That the other one was just like tropical. So you're making one batch yeah. and just splitting it off That's for, for uh, science? What we do. Yes, for mm-hmm. science. Uh, we do a lot of that. We have a, a one barrel pilot system and we'll do you know up That's to cool. like six, yeah. five gallon batches and split the yeast. We, we do these things all the time. We've got enough people now that we can drink our way through it. And we do legitimate like... You know, blind tastings of it where everybody has a sheet and, you know, like write down your impressions of this, what what you're tasting, what's your favorite, and do it as scientifically as we can um, and do it blindly. And, yeah, it's, it's part of the fun, I suppose. Yeah. We got, I mean, we brewed a lot when I started until we got to the point where we, we were brewing on our same, the same system we prepared our yeast growth medium on. So we got to the point where we were producing that seven days a week so we couldn't brew at all for the longest time so then the only way we'd test stuff would be like home brewing um but now this allows us to do our production and have a dedicated brewing system we have more people where we can drink through more beer uh you know more quickly um which so we don't just have (laughs) (laughs) somehow they're able to get work done science Um, drunk (laughs) <laughs> uh, wait. Uh, it seems like mostly they wait till the end of the day, which is good. Well, mostly, that's good. <laughs> it's like the Rick and Morty of of uh, science, uh, yeah, of yeast science. It's definitely a, a perk of the job. I think they'd tell you. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a good time. Uh, do you guys ever? Do you guys ever do like? Uh, you know, I know pretty much. It's kind of like you're doing a collaboration every time. You know, somebody uses your yeast in their beer. But uh, do you ever do anything where like you guys are officially part of a collaboration? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just last week, uh, our guy Matt brewed at Imperial Oak, which is where he came from. They've been um, on the show. They're good. Brent and, uh, is it Brent? Yeah, Brant, Brent and... Tr- 
jeez, I'm, I'm losing it. Oh, well, there's too many episodes to think about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, since he came from there, he had that connection. So there's that's like an officially named um, you know, collaboration. Uh, okay. We're doing that with Hailstorm in a couple weeks. That's awesome. Um, On what? Yeah. It's going to be uh, an IPA. <laughs> talk, talk about rushing things. This is kind of the whole point of this collaboration is using one of these Norwegian strains fermented hot and hoppy to basically try to be drinking it in, uh, I think, a week, five, five to seven Whoa. days. Whoa. Um, so we're there, they're going to, you know, I think, dry hop either when they pitch the yeast or the next morning or something. Because, I mean, these things ferment so quickly that uh, you know, if you're going to dry hop during active fermentation th- with these, that means you have to do it within like 12 Whoa. to 24 hours. Um, so it's going to be like maximum freshness um, and just kind of, yeah, we just like to push the limits on what these Norwegian strains can do. We recently did a barley wine that we brewed in-house that was um, at 16% alcohol in 48 hours. Cool. Whoa. Which is, and, and that, that was terminal. I mean, it was a terminal at 16% in two days. And uh, we were drinking it at um, day 10. We probably could have drank it earlier than that. But, I mean, not the least bit hot. We've had, I should have had you try this while you were over yeah, there. Yeah, man. Day. What the hell? <laughs> and yeah, 16% now, Trevor's beer. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Sorry, I uh, buried the lead on that one, I guess. Um, so well, you, you fermented that fast and it didn't, you didn't have any problem with like diacetyl or anything? Did you let it rest after that? We did kind let it rest. So at that 48 hour time point, it was uh, pretty heavy in the acetaldehyde. So it yeah. had a good amount of green apple at that totally. point. Um, but we gave it another, you know, two, three days, uh, just sitting out ambient and, yeah. and then the cold crashed it, it and yeah. it, it was clean. By the time we drank Fuck. it, it tasted like oh, a, an English awesome. barley wine. I've um, had, I've had beers that fermented a little too fast before here when I was maybe just figuring out how to repitch here and, uh, I didn't, it didn't work out so hot. Yeah. All flavors from it. Yeah. And these, th- and these things, that's what people are asking is like, is it hot? And like, not, I don't think these yeast are capable of making these fusels. That's so, really? uh, yeah, I mean, cause it, that, that condition would bring them out and I've had uh, somebody else, another brewery that I won't name tried it. And he's like, I don't know if I believe that this is 16%. I'm like, like the hydrometer that we reading, we started with and the hydrometer reading we finished with tells us it's 16% alcohol. Like, I don't right. know. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what <laughs> that's going to do for you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but it tastes, it doesn't, I mean, I'll, I'll give them that. It doesn't, I think when you taste something that's 16%, you're used to a certain yeah. amount of hot of heat and a certain amount of harshness i mean this doesn't have it sorry my mind is kind of blown right now i'm learning some new things so uh that's why i should be here yeah i mean the uh no because i mean if if you're not if you don't have the heat from it and then you throw it into a barrel man it's going to give you all that barrel like it's going to get it's not going to hide anything else so i mean that's fucking rad no only you had like some 12 year weller barrels just laying around (laughs) (laughs) i do have a second fill that i want to put into those uh, (laughs) once i empty them and this was that this was a four hour boil and it was four um, hour boil and it attended attenuated at like 78 or 79 percent apparent attenuation so fully attenuated yeah. i mean and it, and it had no problem getting there so it makes you wonder like how far can we push this thing right because I mean, we clearly i don't think we found its limit yet no um i mean can you if you had gone even higher would it have gone to 20 uh, percent? i don't know i mean they're they're these yeasts are ridiculous all right wow. we're gonna do a, we're gonna do uh one called king of the mountain and uh, it's going to be a, a really high ABV beer. We should do it. King of the Mountain. I'm into it. Yeah. Okay. yeah we pitch this thing Just throw my degrees. podcast as a, as a co- collab on that. <laughs> <I'll>, uh, <laughs> you got it. I'll be, yeah. 
I'll huh? show up. I'll show up. I'll do whatever you need. I don't know how to brew anything really, but Love so it. so okay. So now you're making me. I'm selfishly looking at myself right now. So my my father-in-law and I are going to brew in the next week or so here. Nice. So so let's say I had one of these little Norwegian crazy yeasts, and what he does, you know, he's old school. He's just got his bucket, you know, his pale ale bucket, uh, and he's going to throw it down in the basement where it's like 72 degrees. Like, would that be ideal? Like. That would that kind of counteract the condition? Because some people are like, well, they always tell me like, well, it's a little warmer in the bucket than it is in your air temperature, so you want to try yeah, to keep it closer to sixty-eight or something. If we're doing like a pale ale or something, or the way we'll do these, and and it pretty much is on like a homebrew scale, is try to pitch hot. So we'll you know not knock out as cool. So we'll try to aim for like ninety degrees in the so, fermenter. So when we when we plunge a, a wort chiller in there, yeah, we want to try to get it down to like ninety yep. maybe, and yep. then and then pitch that sucker, yep. transfer it into the. You into the uh, uh, bucket, or yeah, well, and transfer in the bucket, and then, then yeah, right. So that the, the the heat from fermentation might drag it up to ninety five or so, and then once that slows down, it's going to get start getting drugged down to ambient. You know, once the yeast is done generating its own heat, so that's that's I think the best way to use these strains is pitch them hot, but don't bother. You don't. It's not that important to try to maintain those temperatures. Just kind of let it go where it goes. But it is something that can counteract, like if you don't have a good option for temperature control or something in your homebrew setup, that oh would yeah. be a superior option to, you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we have an Irish stout up next. I think that's what we're doing. But it'll so. be fine in something like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, Belgian yeast give you more flexibility as far as that goes. You can always let those free rise usually without any harm, but there aren't that many clean ale yeast you can do that with. And these Norwegians give you that option. I'm, s- you know, I was, I'm, th- I'm so basic. I just want to brew my own hazy IPA. I just want to <laughs> try the horn and doll. I don't know yet. I don't know do how to do it yet. I haven't figured it out yet. Totally. So I'll have to, well, you can always, you know, you guys can always come in here and use our pilot system too. Oh, sure. Oh, do yeah. all grain. Yeah. Anything. You think so for real? Yeah. Are, you, are you lying right no, now? No. I, hope, honest, I yeah. hope people listen to this and call you and they're like, hey, uh, we got like a group of 20. <laughs> We'd like Line to, farming. Our homebrew club would like to come in. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're pretty open. You, I mean, you we, guys are, though. You yeah, are. I mean, we uh, we have a lot of people who come in and they all use it for, you know, if they have an anniversary it's or a wedding. Fucking Joe, man. Everybody's calling <laughs> trying to use our pilot system. No, nah, man. It's, a, it's an open forum, man. We want people to come in and brew on it. Scaling up at Old Irving. That's a <laughs> homebrewer scaling up at Old Irving. So, uh, what what kind of uh, things are, are next on the horizon for Omega? I mean, do you guys have the stuff, or you just kind of you're maintaining right now? Oh no, we're uh, we're always doing something. Um, so we uh, so we we moved into this building in January, and um, you know built it to suit. Sorry, like made all sorts of modifications for it to do what we do now. And uh, around the same time we moved in that we noticed there are two houses behind our building that happened to be for sale at the same time. Um, uh, they weren't in great shape. The land is zoned manufacturing. So uh, we snatched those up and uh, we are currently working with architects uh, to uh, the plan is to build a production facility on that those lots. That will be our primary production facility. And then the front building, we have dreams of converting into a, uh, like a tasting room. We'll get, you know, officially like a brewery license, you know, tasting room. Oh my room. God. It's going to be a nerd's dream. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And it's distillery. Like focus groups all the time. So we want to do distilling <laughs> in there as well. So that's, uh, that's something that kind of, is that 
passion kind of grown in you, uh, you know, from being in this world and then it kind yeah. of developed? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say I wasn't even, you know, I've only been a whiskey guy for like a year. I right. mean, before then. I'd That's because you've been it. dropping substantial weight. Yeah. And drinking a uh, little smarter. Yeah. I mean, I, I just like to you know, try new things and I've yeah, really gotten into that and uh, other reasons, but, you know, I mean. I grew up on a farm, so I've got, you know, one of the dreams, too, is to kind of have my brother still farms, have him grow the grains that we use in the distillery, you uh-huh. know, just like a full circle type stuff yeah. here. I like it. Um, so that those are kind of the, 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 the two year plan, I suppose, as far as the the big business goals, um, you know, and smaller things. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, strains and development and whatnot. We've uh, been going back and forth with uh, it's one of those weird things you never thought would happen when you get into it but we got like the lithuanian consulate reached out to us and um <laughs> said you know there, yeah. <laughs> right. so there's a, a brewer like a farmhouse brewer in uh i don't know if the brewery is called yovaru or um but uh you know said the brewer has what they think is kind of a unique strain would you guys be interested in commercializing that We're like oh that sounds interesting so they sent us uh a uh, sample of the beer and we isolated the yeast out of it and brewed with it and it's a neat neat strain it's like a almost like a belgian style strain i mean it's phenolic and but it's kind of got a tart edge to it that we don't haven't experienced in other strains so it's, it's unique um so we're gonna you know be there the official licensee of that strain and you know make that available to brewers in the u.s now how does that work on a business level so he contacts you, sends you this out. You say like, okay, this is something we'd be interested in. So is this something like he's got like like you're gonna have to pay me a, some sort of money per like is it like a royalty type thing? Where yeah, I mean this is a, a well she we in this, this case actually. Every time we sell this strain, she gets a little a little uh, yeah. cash in the pocket. I mean, th- that's how this is gonna be set up. And and th- yeah, the thing about yeast is like no, I mean if it's assuming it's a naturally existing strain, like they didn't genetically engineer this yeah. thing. Yeah. Nobody owns them, right? They're a natural product. You can't patent them. Um, but, uh, yeah, in this case, you know, they're making this available, um, and we want to, you know, kind of market it with them, um, and, uh, you know, bring some attention to what they're doing as well. So it is going to be, uh, something where, you know, their story is kind of told in the description of the strain and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, like a licensing deal. So you've um, played experimentation with this specific one already a couple times, huh? Yeah. And you got some generally good responses yeah, from it. Yeah, we like it, and I think it'll be, you know, just, again, another tool in the brewer's arsenal. Yeah. So, no, I mean, just hearing you talk about the potential future of, uh, you know, even a tasting room or something in the future, like, that That to me, like, well, what does that mean to you? If, if, let's say, that all comes to fruition, you know, I would never say on time and timelines. <laughs> timelines in this industry are crazy, but but I mean, let's say it all comes to fruition one day. Like, what does that mean to you guys? As like the I guess the science and that like how unbelievably priceless is that to have some for, sort of forum? Yeah, I mean that that's going to be good on many levels. I mean, it's going to be informative to brewers. I mean, our customers can come in and and everything we do is essentially going to be like split wort systems you know we'll maybe brew 15 barrels but we'll split it out into three five barrel you know so we'll be one of those breweries that has uh smaller fermentation vessels than we have brew house which is kind of the opposite of the way a brewery would normally normally work um but so we're the the literal only difference between you know these three beers is the yeast pitched into it so uh customer uh, brewery customers and public alike can kind of really get a sense of what the yeast brings to it as the lone variable 
And of course, I get to go there, drink, and right. then that is that is actual work. Yeah, you know, I'm like I'm actually that's figuring things I mean, off while I'm while I'm <laughs> drinking. Yeah, I mean, there. business getting, stuff. Uh, yeah, getting inspiration. I'm like, picturing oh, I like also having a good bar where everyone knows my name, like three blocks down <laughs> that I get to go to outside of our. Did you tell awesome. me a great story last time about the? leaving here super late one night and then going to the bar across the street and basically like falling asleep at the bar. Yep. <laughs> <the> bar t- <laughs> no, I was very tired. That was when we first Omega opened, East. man. Yeah, it was a, yeah, exactly. Now they get to, yeah. they get to deal with They you. get to kick me they out. They can sweep you off of the... That's it. <laughs> off the bar. <laughs> well, I'm just picturing like three, four beer flights of the same beer with four, yeah. like, you know... That's that's what I'm picturing Melding too. the science awesome. with the with the consumer almost. And, and oh, I'm guessing your freaking bar is just going to be filled with brewers like Trevor just <laughs> like... Clamoring That'd to be hang cool. out but there. I mean, even the general public who maybe doesn't, you know, totally. wants to learn about that sort of oh, thing. Yeah, I mean, sure. they, they know it's an ingredient, but they may not. But know there won't the be any room because all the brewers will be taking up sure. the chairs. That'd, <laughs> that'd be that'd be great. Um, Capacity, you're out. I'm guessing there's gonna be a lot of people there drinking, but also playing Magic the Gathering. I like, so. <laughs> uh, D&D, you know, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna, gonna you're gonna attract a certain breed of person. I think. I'm just thinking of that cock magic episode now, South Park. Jesus. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Nope. And threw it off the rails again. That's what yeah. I've been doing lately. Oh, it's cool though. It's a great, great uh, kind of. It's a one. It's a one in. Does anybody else have that? I mean, I'm not in maybe Illinois. Maybe we should not talk about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not in Illinois. I will say that. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, we kind of want it to be experiential. You know, I mean, just uh, you can come and kind of see how a, a supplier of in the industry works, and then see how that uh, component of beer um, changes things and. I think it will be neat. Um, maybe, you know, put it in conjunction with tours of the yeast making and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It'll be definitely, I think, a unique experience around here. White lab coats. Yeah, that totally. Yeah, we're not really. I'm kidding. Lab coat we're type lab of people. We we oh yeah we took our staff down there recently for a tour of the lab and everything, mm-hmm. and it, it was pretty smart, very enlightening. I mean, smart. I think the staff got a lot from it. The FOH and mm-hmm. people yeah. who have to explain our beer to people. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think it makes total sense, and mm-hmm. and it's part of why I wanted to talk to Lance in general. Is just it gives me another layer of conversation. You know, when I want to talk beer with people, it's like you know you start building this repertoire because you know it's pretty easy for most beer nerds to talk about hops. I mean, for the most part, a lot of us can talk a l- at least a little bit about hops and there's so many of them out there but it's like you know we're pretty much inundated right now with mosaic and citra you know that's that's in everything and mm-hmm. you know the galaxy hop is is crazy but like nobody knows much about yeast outside of the, your really deep you know brewers you know even some home brewers just kind of stick with the basic yeast and there's a world out there basically to explore is what I'm yeah kind of something that's that just reminded me of there's uh one of those magazines that did the recent like 350 ipa blind t- tasting yeah i know i know what you're um about and uh, so i noticed when i was reading through it there was one customer that had two ipas in the top 50 which seems like pretty good accomplishment and i know that they'd been using um some of the norwegian strains so i reached out and I'm like hey is any either of those beers um have that strain he said yes it, it did um, and uh, you could, when you read the, and unfortunately he doesn't necessarily want us to divulge which strain he used or who it was, mm-hmm. but, um, you could tell when you read the description, uh, so it was like a mosaic single hot beer and the, the, uh, description of it was, um, remarked about how there were several mosaic single hot beers in this trial and they all had something, you know, different about them. And, and the description they were, uh, relaying with this beer, you could see the yeast influence coming through. Yeah. Um, cause the oh mosaic wow, they actually has noted it in the, well, they didn't the note oh. that it was the yeast, but I knew right. that they had used, 
you know one of these strains. But that they has remarked its... about yeast coming out. No, they, or they no? just remarked okay. about how you know there were a lot of mosaic single hop beers there, and they all were different in some way. And then when they described the differences from this one. I could see the yeast influence oh, coming okay. through. So you so decipher read between the lines, mm-hmm. right? So this is, I guess, my um, this is my, my point. In us, you know, trying to find these things and bring them to brewers because there's a mosaic single hot beer that was standing out to these tasters. Yep. Because they used a different ingredient, you know, a different yeast that kind of played with that mosaic a little differently. It's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was neat to read, and you know, we, I mean, we try to, you know, if the brewer will let us, we'll. Um, post about it on social media in this case they wanted to, you know they're okay with us kind of saying generally that they used a quake but didn't want us to say Omega which something yeah didn't want us to say which exact strain which is their i mean we'd never divulge who's using what without their permission yeah um but yeah i mean even if they don't want to say anything at all i always get you know tickled by reading stuff like that and yeah that's awesome <laughs> that is awesome mm-hmm. You just sound like Chris Farley there for a second. <laughs> That's remember awesome. Remember that time? That's really awesome. Remember that time you guys remember the one time that you time used to had that awesome. awesome. in an IPA like fake yeast single, and single from Norway, <laughs> and then that guy he wanted a big. That's awesome. <laughs> Stupid. Oh. So what about you, Trevor? I mean, what 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 do you guys got coming down the line? You're brewing double batch of Beezer today. Yeah, we got the double in. batch of Beezer today. We're brewing up uh, actually the uh, the pale ale for the pale ale challenge this year. Um, that's happening this week. We're brewing a um, kind of a, a Hefeweizen uh, with Monty Burks down on the south side. One of our bartenders, Lance, is down there with our old chef, okay. uh, Mike Schrader, and uh, they're killing it down there. They have a huge patio, so we're doing a beer with them. And uh, Lance makes these really awesome tropical cocktails. Um, okay. So we're going to do kind of like a tropical influence, like a lot of pineapple. It's going to be adjunct heavy, kind of okay. like a lot of fun ingredients in there. And then um, let's see what else. Uh, we've got three releases happening this week. Uh, we have releases. a new new hazy coming out. Um, that's got a little bit of Motueka, El Dorado, and Citra. Um, so juicy as fuck. Yes, yeah, very, very juicy. And that uh-huh. has the uh, Lance's double IPA strain in it. Nice. And then we're also releasing our Rat Pack, which is a pretty popular one here at the pub. But it's basically a, a Belgian double uh, that we brew to kind of be like a. Um, uh, old-fashioned cocktail, so it's got okay. or dried orange peel, cherry, and then um, a little bit of whiskey influence uh, in the way of staves. Can I age that one in a barrel sometime? That'd be pretty we, awesome. We actually have one right now. It's a Belgian quad version of the Rat Pack awesome. that's actually in Sazerac rye barrels, yeah, and barrels. that's going to release right around the time. Uh, we just tasted it recently. You get a lot of the spirit. It needs a little bit more oak character, but that one's going to yeah. release right around the time we release Krampus. Uh, cool. Here in uh, yeah, November. Talk, talk about Krampus. I mean, that's, oh, yeah, that's sure. coming up. That's coming up. I mean, we yeah. haven't talked since like March on this show, so for yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, it's getting closer now. Yes, so. it is. Yeah. So Krampus cookies is essentially our uh, imperial milk stout that I kind of designed to to taste like milk and cookies. Um, so it's uh, lactose heavy, but it's got the uh, the single estate, um, single origin uh, cocoa nibs uh, from Ecuador. Um, that went into it. They were roasted literally three days before it went into uh, the brewing process. It's also going to get hit with a bunch of these really beautiful Tahitian vanilla beans. Uh, and right now that's aging in uh, Weller 12 barrels. Uh, we should be releasing that in November sometime. We're going to have a big party just like we did last year uh, where people can come in. So if you want to come in and, and get a wax dip bottle with Krampus cookies uh, 2018, you can come in and, and do that. Um, we don't like have a line outside. We kind of like form a queue inside. Uh, we do encourage people to bring like 
bottles to share in line, we'll and open, we'll we'll, we'll be opening some stuff from our cellar. And guy, uh, John if you dress up like come? Krampus, <laughs> uh, we will freak out. John will definitely. I was be say, here. does John the mailman still come around? Remember oh he man, was here that day. John, anytime he John threw us like a big maybe a Baptista that, that big day. Bab- triple, yeah. So basically, um, if you've ever watched Goldfish eat um, when you sprinkle the food on top of the water, yeah, that's like uh, the bartenders and the brewers every time that. Uh, John the mailman shows up. Uh, he comes in and he's got a bag, and you're just like, "Oh shit!" John's in got some bag? good beer, What's and everyone like just hordes around him, and he starts pouring out just killer whales on us, and it's it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got all that stuff coming up. Uh, we just brewed our Oktoberfest. Uh, we do have on the 22nd of September that weekend. We are going to uh, be having a three day Hoptoberversary, uh, which is our two year anniversary and Oktoberfest. So we'll be busting into some into fun one. stuff and we'll be releasing Oktoberfest and come and get a big ash dine of it. Um, it's way too late, man. Uh, on my uh, Facebook feed today, uh, there's a memory from two years ago where I'd apparently bought the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest uh, today, <laughs> two years ago, in, uh, naturally, in July. You know, July 30th. Yeah. I think the bigger uh, you become, like, the your special releases, yeah, they release earlier. really and earlier. I know, like, Metro's, like, releasing theirs, I think, either this week or next week, which makes me uh, really excited because I love Oktoberfest. Oh, because, me too. Like, that's the sooner I can drink them, the better. That's yeah. a, I have no problem buying them in July. Oh, yeah. So no, totally. I want to drink as, as stated in your Facebook memory. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that, that, for some reason, I distinctly remember that year they've been doing these you know collaborations with uh different german brewery each year and that mm-hmm. year i don't even that's probably responsible for all the weight i've recently lost was uh, <laughs> all the Oktoberfest i drank for those two months while i could get it no kidding oh it was yep. so good mm-hmm. so in, in in the building like the week that the the Oktoberfest stuff's getting brewed do you yep. just stay home and take that week off and let andres ha- handle all that i mean <laughs> uh no your american nonsense you, you do, getting you drizzled do, in there you do notice <laughs> that when andreas is brewing something german that he he's Whistling. much more focused yeah. like he's like he's checking those tanks maybe just a little bit more you know he's reading the right heights readings. <laughs> yeah. yeah um <laughs> you know and i you know that's the thing that we share though i mean uh, out of what we drink, me and Andreas drink more German stuff, more traditional stuff, lighter stuff. You know, we make we make uh, the other beers for the people and just to tickle our own kind of um, uh, want for exploration. But like, you know, for us to drink, you know, we we get most excited about our Hefeweizens and our okay. and our Dubels and things like that. So speaking of which, do you have? I mean, do you have a kind of like a standard lager that you make or like a Pilsner or something? It's our Kolsch, the Della. The Kolsch. Uh, the Della Kolsch is always around and and it always tastes great. Um, actually. This is a big one. I probably should have mentioned. Oh, okay. Slap on my slap That's on why my I'm here, wrist. Trevor. I'm here to, to get this conversation <sighs> well, not moving the, in the not right the direction. Kolsch, but we just made one called Till Death, which is a pilsner that I made for my wedding. So it's going to be our wedding oh, yeah. pilsner. It's pretty cool. Uh, our designer put it together. Uh, it's like, you know, I can't remember what it's exactly called, but it's like these uh, two skeletons that are kind of in a heart shape. So it's kind of macabre, sort of like me and my fiance. Sounds like you. And yeah, <laughs> and so it's be good stuff uh but the pilsner is just really basic it's like saz and tetanger and it's just it's tasting great right now uh-huh. i'm really pumped that's gonna release um right after my wedding so look look for that on like the august 20th basically the day i just my need wedding. something i can make a hot beer out of that's all you <laughs> fucking brewers got me so stuck in these hot beers now i'm buying like hotel life by the six pack from hailstorm and so just good. dropping that freaking valentina on the oh, back yeah, and a little uh tahine season you gotta have on the tahine on so it good. yeah the the hailstorm boys introduced me to that yeah. and i was i could not get enough of it dude they're killing so me with good. this and that even brandon over at workforce started making old pile now his mm-hmm. his pilsner and yep. and uh the romeo pills from metal monkey or we've been doing it oh, with pipe, those pipe works just released their pills recently it's really did they yep. is it in a can 
It's in cans. All right. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Yeah, check it out. I'm just, so uh, speaking of that, you have a, like a two-head filler, right? It's mm-hmm. basically like a, a crawler machine almost, right? Well, like it's an a, a HDP two-head bottle filler, so it's meant more for bombers and, okay. and you know 12-ounce bottles. But you guys can. You guys we can off can. of it. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they told us that you can make it for cans, and then when we called them up and started doing the whole process, we realized, I don't know how many people are actually doing this. <laughs> I mean, in theory. Yeah, in yeah, theory, you can. So, I, I mean, there was it? maybe you know some <laughs> DIY things we had to do to the machine, and definitely like Andreas like freaking out for you know like 10 hours straight like on the phone with this canadian guy who they're crazy helpful by the way hdp you buy their products they're great humans they stayed with us the whole time until we got it figured out um, but yeah we're doing two at a time we just sell them in the pub only so they're super small runs um, we usually try to post it on our instagram when we're releasing certain things but uh, we're kind of make taking a turn uh, going the canning line route and start producing like you know rare is like right now we can probably do like two cans every 45 seconds we'll soon be able to do uh 24 cans every every uh every that's, minute that's better yeah that's better. <laughs> yeah. we want people want more of your cans i think you know people, people want more of i want i want people to drink my beer too yeah be i nice. want i want some of those that pilsner and some cans yeah me too the label for it's just it's really cool we can have a blast with that mm-hmm. um i don't know anything else you guys want to talk about you want to leave us with any thoughts on omega yeast and what you guys what you guys are all about um yeah like i said i always making things better is and making things easier for the the brewer is what we're about and always pushing that always pushing everybody that works there to uh, come to us with ideas we don't you know harp on people top down it's always if you've got an idea to make things better more efficient we listen i mean i'm not i don't consider myself above anybody else there and we've had lots of great ideas from everybody there i mean we've got our internal communication system was brought to us by one of the guys you know i'm like emails works fine we've been doing email but he's like oh no the slack is kind of neat like a you know a messaging tool that we can yeah. use and work and we use that i mean just constantly there's constant dings and that's how we communicate internally and it made things more efficient and especially as we got more people it, you know i mean I said i mean i'm open to these things and give people a lot of leeway on introducing these things and if it sounds good we'll we'll do it uh, very democratic in that way but always with the goal of just making things as as good as possible you know better and better all the time so we can make brewers lives easier so they want to keep coming back to us for the home brewer, is it easier for them to like order through your website? Is it like an easy ordering online kind of thing, or if they want to check your stuff out? So on the homebrew side, just we text. actually just text. Uh, yeah. just, just can text they just do me. what I do and just text you personally? <laughs> yeah, give out your home phone real quick in, in, please in the middle of the night, whenever. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm open. Anytime. Yeah, I text only at love making times. Like, you know, <laughs> he can sense it. Uh, well, I watch his Instagram and I know he's been on a date, uh-huh. and it's like okay, it's well, night. it's about it's about nine thirty. They're at uh-huh. home. They're yeah, okay. They're yeah. watching yeah. Game of Thrones, and it's about the. <laughs> I'm gonna put in order yeah. right now. Yeah, um, yeah. We we actually don't sell directly to uh, home brewers. We um, we only have a wholesale license. We sell to pig. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that, I mean, it's possible we could when we have you know like a brew pub and we could have when we'll have retail license. You know, something like that could could be in the offing. But um, right now we rely on retailers, so we wholesale to them and. So we'll probably never be that big, and we don't want to step on the toes of our wholesalers who've been with us from the start. So, now, do you guys sell anything off to like uh, brew supply stores? Yeah, no, or that's who we. Okay, that's, that's who we sell to. Okay, so then yeah. they can go and buy it, uh, right? From yeah, like uh, what, what are some of them? Like Chicago Brew Works? Do you? Yeah, Chicago Brew Works, Brew and Grow, Brew and, and Grow. There, and yeah, that's Pursuit Supply. 
um, homebrew shop out in the West Burbs. Um, so yeah, most of the locals will carry mm-hmm. us to some degree. Now you can't get your stuff on like Williams or like uh not there yet. Northern Brewer. Northern anything. Brewer okay, carries yeah. us. Okay. Um, yeah, we're we're not everywhere yet, but okay. um, always looking it. to expand. And those uh, the Norwegian yeast strain stuff are those like available out there for people to check out if uh, they wanted to get a all those? three of our Norwegian offerings Dang. are packaged in homebrew packs nice. and available That's everywhere. Neat. Get some homebrewers. Check it out. So how do I, how do I, uh, let's say like, you know, I'm a novice homebrewer, which I am, so it's not theoretical, but like, so how, how do those work? You know, you see everything from a packet to a smack pack to a, you know, the one with the starter, you gotta. Right. Yeah. So they're in a, you know, like flexible pouch. Um, as we found over the years, uh, rigid containers are the enemy of yeast. <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah. just blow apart. They just want, yeah. I mean, you can think they're done and there's something else in there. They'll ferment and then they get, yeah, they get gushy. Um, especially when you put them in that concentration. Um, so yeah, they're flexible packs. Um, simply tear them open and pour the contents into your wort, um, or or into your starter. I mean, um, so yeah, they're pretty easy to use. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's really all. I mean, this was awesome. I appreciate you guys both taking time, Trevor and Lance. Uh, it's a, just a really cool experience for me to learn a little more. I mean, do you find people are intimidated by it? Like, not the commercial side. I mean, I know that the brewers like Trevor, they're not intimidated by yeast. But, like, do you find that people can be sometimes? Yeah. I mean, they, they'll look. I mean, this is all we do day in and day out. So they'll definitely look to us as uh, authorities, I think. And um, doing it for this long, we're becoming more and more authorities on it. Um, and, I, and that's another thing I think that, you know, the tap room is going to, actually help enormously right? I mean, to actually have ourselves a more brewery style system so that we can put these things through the paces and be able to in, uh, inform the customers you know more thoroughly like this we you know we in fact we did this and we split it next to this and this had these features while that one didn't and demystify yeah I mean it's going to be you know it, that will help us become even better authorities on this stuff and be able to better inform customers and help them make good decisions so one last weird thing: Do you get do you, do you guys get in, into like social media and the Omega side? Do you guys do posts and yeah. regular stuff? Okay, so Instagram, Facebook, all that. Somebody's stuff. doing that stuff. Yeah. Somebody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many people do you have now? Um, from two to. Yeah, from two to twenty-ish. Uh, oh wow! Wow. Uh, d- like d- divided between. Specs, yeah. <laughs> We're divided between Chicago and St. Louis, but so most of the business slash marketing side of things is in St. Louis. We've got okay. a little office down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, for the longest time, you know, any little amount of marketing we did was kind of done by us with these random Facebook posts, but now we have an actual marketing person, media person. Yeah. Nice. Who puts that stuff together. You and made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, sure. <laughs> made it. Well, it's, n- it's nice that I don't have to do that stuff cause I don't want to. No, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Not you. What'd you say? You're not a sociable guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, Quote you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But, um, a little more difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, g- again, guys, thank you. Um, you know, it's 11 a.m. on a on a Monday. We we started this at, and we're well over past one o'clock. Sitting nice. here at the uh, the beer hall part of Old Irving's Brew Pub. Uh, so thank you guys again for your time. And uh, yeah, this was informative as all hell. As any podcast that I've had, you know, the 50. This would be the 53rd episode I've wow. I've had. So Congrats. this awesome. is yeah, this is as informative as one as I've had. So nice. um, let's let's clink some glasses together okay. that are basically sure. empty. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <They're basically> empty. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.